ladies and gentlemen, this is the Storm Warning Podcast. It's, I, I would say, the best, most important of all time podcast focused on the Carolina Hurricanes as well as the entire NHL. Uh, you will find no better source of news about the Carolina Hurricanes, no better insights than us three right here. Uh, we'll go maybe oldest to youngest for introductions. Chris, since you are by far the oldest, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, I would say this is going to be the best, most informative podcast about the Carolina Hurricanes from three guys in Charlotte. <laughs> Not in Raleigh. <laughs> or really, you know, anyone affiliated with the team. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, intros. Or aren't paid to talk about hockey. Right. Yeah. We're just, you know, doing this in your apartment. Or, sorry, studio. Same difference. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't dignify where I live as an apartment. <laughs> I mean, maybe like a, a large box. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're in Jacob's... Uh, Penalty box at the moment. Yep. So, um, yeah. So, uh, intros, we don't really have a format. So, yeah. Um, started liking the Hurricanes in 97. Uh, prior to that, I was a Rangers fan. I know that's just going to rub a lot of Canes fans the wrong way. But it was the 90s. The Rangers, that was the last time the Rangers were consistently good. And that was, you know, also ESPN with their, you know, laser puck. So, you had to watch a lot of Rangers. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm the middle child of the podcast, which makes a lot of sense when you examine how I am overall. But uh, I grew up, my family's from Chicago, but I'm from South Florida, so grew up a big Chicago fan, Bears, Blackhawks, Cubs, mainly, and then I uh, went to a lot of Florida Panthers games growing up. That They were horrible, though, so I, I never became a fan because, again, they, they were horrible. Uh, moved to Charlotte, say, a year or two ago, and uh, taking the North Carolina sports a bit, especially the Hurricanes, in, in part because they're not horrible, unlike every team that plays in the city of Charlotte. Uh, tr- truly free, not very. Uh, we, we could call them mediocre. That would be an insult to mediocrity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are bowling teams that are better ran than the Hornets and Panthers. Yeah, I wouldn't want to insult Jeff Bridges or Steve Buscemi <laughs> like that. Market zero. Walter Sobchak is the best fictional character of all time. Don't disagree. Uh, so my name is AJ. Uh, I got into hockey growing up in the Midwest, specifically Iowa. I was actually a USHL fan before I was an NHL fan. I grew up a huge fan of the Moines Buccaneers. Uh, so my family, we actually saw Eric Cole before he played for the Hurricanes, fun fact. But that's what got me into hockey was uh, living in the Midwest, watching junior hockey, playing hockey a little bit. I actually started out as a Red Wings fan to the Midwest Connection. Uh, eventually, I moved to North Carolina circa 2013. That's when I picked up rooting for the Canes, which is also conveniently when Detroit got bad. But that's yeah, a little bit more about my background. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, be, to be clear, over the past, uh, I want to say, seven years, AJ and I have been very sad Red Wings and Blackhawks fans, as well as happier Hurricanes fans, I would say. Yeah, for me, it's kind of like that Homer Simpson meme, like right around March, like my Red Wings jersey self goes into the bushes, and then I come out in the Hurricanes jersey. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously being a fan of the Hurricanes, had to deal with the dark period, uh, and didn't really have another team to pull for. Yeah, that's also fair, too, yeah. Appreciate the guilt trip, though. <laughs> so, you know, 10 years of sadness, you're, you've still got a few more years ahead of you, and, you know... You guys just got Bedard, so let's back up off the ledge there, bud. Hey, man, I'm a Bears fan. That's your fault. Yeah. We're not going to talk about Nate Danielson. 
currently more goals in the preseason <laughs> than Connor Bedard. Just want to put that out there. Uh, yeah, get over yourself. Uh, so, the Schadenfreude part of me would love to see Danielson take the Calder instead of Bedard. And just, he's, not, he's going back to junior. I'm just, I'm getting. <laughs> I know, but that would be just just to dump on Chicago sports a little bit more, which I actually don't mind Chicago sports. You know, it's not like the Boston teams um, and their obnoxious fans. Um, they're not granted, Chicago has their obnoxious fans, but says the Canes, so there's every fan base. Um, no, the Canes do not have actually any annoying fans at all. Sparkle. People, people, okay, outside of the Sparkle guy, <laughs> literally, though, like anyone complaining about Canes fans on Twitter, paid actors. Yeah, I mean, but... Literally anyone who's an annoying Canes fan, false flags sent by Rangers fans. I don't know. I, 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 there's there's some fans in the fan base that annoy me. Am I one of them? No. It's it's more so the Doomers. Yeah. Oh, so me. <laughs> yeah, but if you have, not to give a sneak peek as to what the upcoming previews are going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. Any any fan in like Facebook comments is going to overreact. I so I'm not on the Facebook board because you know I got better things to do with my time. You can have a Facebook. I do, but yeah. I've ever got your old. And wise enough to know not to pull for Chicago sports teams. Yeah, <laughs> but still pull for the Panthers, so take that for what you will. All right, so as you can tell, this is not well structured or formatted or you know uh, anything beyond three guys sitting on the table talking about hockey. I think, just, I, I think logically we could just kick it off with we, we thought now was a good time to start in terms of time of the year just because it's like off season kind of done. Like we go on and on about off season drama, but we thought like it'd just be good to start with the season preview. Uh, kind of go over like each division. I think Chris, you had the Pacific, I had the Central, AJ had the Atlantic, and we all kind of took a look at the Metro, being that this can be a little bit more pain centric. We could just, what's it called, uh, go over standings, kind of actually make predictions about what's going to happen this year, who's going to be good as a regular season team, make some cup predictions, talk about kind of who's going to win awards. And we thought this would just be a good place to start overall, kind of. You know, I think that's kind of what everybody's looking at right now. Is like, hey, how is this upcoming season going to go? Yeah, because we only have what two, three more uh, preseason games left. Week and a half. It's um, Tuesday the tenth is the um, season start date. Yep. The day of recording is Saturday the thirtieth. Yeah, I'm going to kick stuff off with the uh, with the West Coast, West Coast to Pacific Division. That works for me. Cool. So, so I mean, yeah. I don't have Vegas repeating the Pacific Division. I think Edmonton's going to take it this year. Uh, I think Vegas is going to finish second just because when you spend the summer carrying the cup around and drinking to excess, unless you're Kucherov, you know, you have a little bit of a step back in my opinion. Um, yeah, cup fatigue is definitely a real thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you've literally played a lot of hockey, uh, and the Panthers and Knights series was fairly physical because both of those teams like to hit. And yeah, just – Plus, it's Vegas. I mean... Exactly. Also, Vegas had that same dynamic you have with every cup champion, too, where the series ends, they get the cup, and then it comes out like, oh, half the team was playing on broken legs, right. broken arms, broken necks. This guy was actually dead. So Yeah. I think beyond that, too, like we have to remember it. Two seasons ago, Vegas didn't make the playoffs. They had like, a much stronger team. 
Uh, the one big hockey question mark I have with them, and it's really not much of a question mark, but something like foreseeably this could be a bump in the road is, hey, maybe, you know, goalie gets hurt, Aiden Hill doesn't play up to how good he was in the playoffs. Like, that I could see maybe loses the, like, still a very strong team, but yeah, I mean, that loses them a couple of regular season games and they still have to set them. Yeah, not, it, it takes a point. So it's not like, you know, we're talking like five or six games here. It's, yeah. it's going to be a tight race, but I think Edmonton's going to finish top of the division, followed by the Knights. Uh, and then I got the Kings third over the Kraken. I think the Kraken are going to take a small step back. I mean, they lost Geeky, which I, I know is a fourth line center, but still, I think the Kraken are still a, a young franchise and still. Figuring out how to like win together consistently, whereas the Kings already have that. You know, they've had to you know fight for their playoff lives the past couple seasons. So I think that's going to push them in the third. Uh, and then the thing that I like about Seattle a little bit better than LA is Seattle feels like a younger team to me. Like with LA, if one or both of Dowdy or Kopitar take a major step back, that's concerning to them. Whereas Seattle's putting all their faith in Matty Beneers, who I have a lot more faith in him maintaining, even improving, as opposed to, say, a Kopitar or a Dowdy. Right. Well, okay. So this is not taking into account injuries because, yeah. I mean, hell, uh, McDavid goes down, then Edmonton's, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, granted, now Edmonton's in better shape to absorb that because they can just bump the dry side a lot, but still. Um, and then, you know, the next are. I really don't have an order between Calgary, Vancouver, and San Jose, other than I'm probably going to put San Jose seventh, just because Greer's almost is not full fire cell, but might as well be. And then I have the Ducks just at the bottom because absolute lack of talent. And losing Kalorns makes that worse. Yes. Losing NHL talent when you already don't have a full NHL talent right. team to begin with right. is not good. I mean, I halfway kidded about conversations outside of this that we could use the Canes could use uh, Arizona as their AHL team. They could probably do the same with the Ducks. Outside like Zegers, Drysdale, Carlson, yeah, basically. It's, yeah, it's, they're just devoid of talent. They're actively, they were actively tanking last season. I don't see that changing this season, uh, especially with Celebrini coming up. Yeah. Um, I got Iserman. Um, what's his name? Uh, Celebrini and Iserman are the same. Yeah, yeah, Iserman. Okay. Yeah, so you know, the and it would be a very unhard thing to do to finish second in the draft already two years in a row. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I, I disagree a little bit. I think um, I agree mostly with what you have, and I do – I will say with L.A. versus Seattle, I think they're very similar teams where L.A. and Seattle both – like, they're, they're good because they have extremely uh, – extremely good form. Yeah. Like, these guys, both teams, like, they have, you know, multiple centers who could center a – could be top six centers on teams. Um, yeah, I think Shane Wright could come up and make an impact for Seattle. I think the one place where like LA separates itself is their tie-in towns a little better. Uh, I think you look at like Kopitar, Dowdy, and Pierre Dubois. Like I, I think those guys are better than most any player on you know Seattle. Granted, Matty Veneers take another step. Shane Wright can debut and be really good. And the other thing is, they both have horrible goaltending situations. I mean, like, I think Grubauer, like, Grubauer bounced back a little bit last year, to be fair. Yeah, but I don't trust Grubauer. His stats are bad. He passes the eye pass. That's, yeah. that's what I'll say. So I could see Seattle overtaking LA. Like, if Grubauer's good, Copley's really bad, uh, and there are injuries to LA, but I, I think both are going to be playoff teams. Uh, I think San Jose is worse than Anaheim. I mean, if Anaheim sells guys off, 
Granted, they, they could really tank, but I, I think you still have a few guys like Leo Carlson, obviously new guy on the team, but like Troy Terry's there, John Gibson is still there, like Trevor Zegris, who we haven't mentioned yet, too, yeah. is still there. Yeah, so take a big step. Outside of when he plays against, you know, the Hurricanes or any other goalie, Gibson's not the Gibson of old. No. Even yeah. he's taken a massive step back, especially for, uh, I mean, he's not Bravosky level of contract, but it's still not, you know, cheap. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing that they're at all a good team. I'm just saying I think they're better than San Jose. I, I, I apart from Logan Couture, or I, I think Thomas Hurdle's still in San Jose. I, I don't know if there's anybody on that team that. I also still like the corpse of John Gibson over San Jose's goaltending right now. To be honest, I couldn't even tell who's in that. Field. I was literally just about to ask if anyone can name one of their goalies to uh, surprise so me when I just pulled it up. They have Capo, uh, not. The Rangers capo, but... Uh, oh, Kakanen, yeah. Yeah. And then they do have Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah, uh, they picked him up this offseason. He has never started more than... Um, well, he was the, the goalie that Ajo completely undressed last year in the regular season. Uh, I think it was on the shorthanded goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. They were wearing the jersey. Yeah, where, yeah, because he, where he came out of the net and, like, fell down. And then... Yeah. I mean, I, I think Ajo was laughing after scoring that goal for his celly. It's a good amount of Ajo's goals, though, to be fair. Yeah, but this wasn't Ajo like, getting the goalie turned around or tripped up or whatever. This was just Mackenzie Blackwood coming out of the net. I, I would think to do you know stick check and just fell. It was embarrassing. That happens, but that's why I'm grateful my job's not on national TV and to just the four Canes fans interested enough to be listening right now. So right. all four of you, thank you very much. Yes. Um, I think it's three now. <laughs> you guys good with Pacific? Yeah, I, I mean that's AJ. You have something else you want? One thing I just want to circle back to. We had kind of touched on this a little bit, but I agree that a lot of the concerns for Vegas would basically ride on their goaltending. Uh, Aiden Hill, I just had it pulled up, but I want to say he's never started more than twenty-five games in his career. That is concerning to have that be your de facto. Yeah, so not to spill. Too much before we get to the matcher. I think what's going to hurt Aiden Hill is also going to hurt uh, Schmidt in yeah. Jersey. Yeah, now, yeah. granted, I think Jersey's just going to try and outscore everybody, but still. Yeah, Aiden Hill last season was the most he's ever started in a season. He started 27 games for a 9.15 save percentage, which is not bad, but that's not great either. Yeah, but. As we've seen... But he literally also just won a cup last offseason, too. Yeah. So if he just plays like that, they'll be fine. But goalies are voodoo, so it's oh, yeah, so yeah. hard to predict. Yeah, and, and to be honest, do I like Vegas' goalie situation better than Edmonton? Yes. <laughs> I don't, actually. Oh, you don't? I like Stuart Skinner better. Stuart Skinner has more pedigree, a bit more of a track record. I but... think I, I was looking at it holistically from a tandem standpoint. I just I don't like Jack Campbell. Yeah, also fair. Uh, you don't like Jack Campbell or you don't trust Campbell? Do I dislike him personally? No. Do I think he's a, a good, consistent goalie? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I think Skinner's obviously. Also, keep in mind, I think it's uh, I think Logan Thompson's going back to Vegas. He is, yeah. So he, yeah. he has decent experience on that team. Yeah. Um, I, I should say with Edmonton, I care less about the goal. Oh yeah. Goal pending there, just that's not as important. Yeah. yeah, they score a ton of goals, and I think this year they they will push harder to win that division because they haven't been to a Cup final with that roster. Yeah, they they've been to the conference final a couple years ago against uh, Colorado, and that's been it. Yeah. Uh, and to AJ's point, like yeah, in the regular season last year, I'm, I'm just looking at it right now. Aiden Hill saved 0.9 goals above expected. 
but in the playoffs saved seven. Oh yeah, that that screen that's big old regression for the mean. Yeah. So absolutely. That that's my one concern too. And circle what you had said, Jacob, about Logan Thompson. He does have a bit more of that track record, but even still, he's only started at most thirty-seven games in a season. So for both yeah. of them, I'm gonna be interested to see how the wear of a regular season affects their performance. And granted, this might be where Bruce Cassidy goes big brain move and puts him on a tandem like he did with Olmark and Swayman in Vegas. Or, excuse me, in Boston. Maybe. They're a curious team. Either way, I don't think their goaltending sinks them unless it truly goes like nuclear ECHL level bad because that's still a stacked enough team at defense and offense that you can make that work. You can win games 6-5 to five and get a playoff spot. Yeah, and to be honest, their front office is so aggressive. If it, yeah, if it got that bad, they'd probably trade for that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, they, would. Yeah, they, they, would, they would send... I don't think there's anybody on Vegas that is untouchable. And that includes Stone. That includes Eichel. Eichel. Marsh is so too, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, no. They, they would trade everybody, I think. They literally gave away Max Pacioretty to make room for other guys they wanted to bring in. Yeah. Well, they also got rid of Coughlin there. Yeah. Which is also a win. Yeah, I'd say maybe only like a guy like Petrangelo who's on a massive deal. Like they might have trouble moving. Right. But having trouble moving a guy versus, you know. The like, willingness. Like. I get what you're saying. They. they I, their the, front office is so aggressive, they will not say no to trade. Right. Like, I'm sitting there, like, trying to think, like, what would it take for Waddell to move on from Ajo? A lot. Right. Actual off ice issues, it would literally take, like, something so extreme. Right. I feel like. And I don't get the feeling that Vegas has that mentality about any of their players. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Vegas yeah. is anything to make the team better, yeah. anything to uh, really just. Heck, if anything, they or anytime an off-ice issue, hey, let's see if we can work that out a lower contract. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, as an expansion team, I do not fault them for that mentality at all uh, because they knew to build it. They saw how every other expansion team in the league was took forever to build a fan base. They were like, you want a fan base right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's Vegas. It's not the, you know. It's not like the return of the Winnipeg Jets where you knew they were going to come back and have fans right away. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it's Vegas, but, like, Vegas is, like, the city that embodies instant gratification. Yeah. Well, also, on top of that, too, the NHL for years was, like, the most, and it still is, honestly, the most conservative sports league in terms of, like, player transactions, player movement, whatnot. But that being said, you always had the adage, whoever wins the player wins the trade. More often than not, that was the case. You come in as a new ownership. Why would you not just be, like, look at kind of what had been happening for years and try like, run over that? Anyway, it's not like Vegas, you know, that ever worked out for them and they were ever good anyway. No, I don't think they're doomed. I just doubt that. Like I mentioned, I think their goaltending situation could just add a lot of variance to what they end up doing and just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, outside of injuries, we're talking playoff seating. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You had the Central, right? I had the Central, yeah. Who's the designated Chicago fan of the group? Self-designated Chicago fan, I might add. AJ, do you miss the days where the, where the wings were in the Central? A little bit, but it's, I probably hate it now living in North Carolina because, like, I moved when the Red Wings moved. My first hockey season in North Carolina was their first in the East. So, like, kind of the time zone issues I never really had to deal with. I'm like, I like the rivalries there. Honestly, for sneak peek of the Atlantic preview, for the sake of seeding and competitiveness, I do wish Detroit was in the Central. <laughs> yeah, the, the Central's a horrible division. It's the NFC South of the NHL. Yeah. The old like southeast division of the old NHL days. I get the southeast throwback a bit. Yeah, so I'll start from the bottom up. I'll do a little reverse so we get a. So I you mentioned Chicago first. 
No, I actually mentioned them second. Uh, I think Arizona will be at the bottom. Oh, yeah, I forgot Arizona. We got uh, moved to the Central yeah, and Seattle came in. Like, look, I, I think uh, they have some good players like Cooley, Krauss, uh, Clayton Keller, Vanelka. Like, they have guys. Veg Milk is going to win them, like, uh, 10 games on his own. Yeah. The, the, they have guys. I just don't think they're not a complete team. They haven't done a lot better to get that. Uh, they haven't done a lot to get better. They had got to spare in Chikram for most of the year last year. They don't have the players this year. I, and, like, look, it, they're not in a rush for the rebuild or anything. If anything, they should be in a rush to find a new home, which is where I think the focus. That's not yeah. even a joke. I just think that's where the focus is right now is, like, figuring out the business side of things and letting the hockey side run its course of a rebuild. Um, I'm not, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna, you know, be really the organization or anything. I, you know, I don't think that they should move. I enjoy having the team in Arizona. I think the jerseys are awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, I like a lot of the players on the team. I, I, they're just not a complete team and they're not trying to compete, they're trying to rebuild. I think, I have Chicago seventh. Uh, they'd be eighth if it wasn't for that. Right. Like, have the daughter. And then having him, if you have him on your team and you have Lucas Reichel coming up, who looks to be like a good top six center, um, and you bring in experienced guys like Taylor Hall, Corey Perry, Nick Foligno, like, yeah, are the Blackhawks trying to compete? Absolutely not, but are they bringing in enough talent to, you know, teach the young guys how to win? Yeah, I think for that reason, they're not shamelessly tanking like they were last year. Like, you know, that'll win them enough games not to be last in their division. That, and I also didn't want to put them last in the division. Well, I mean, I think you're right, though. They're in very similar situations. They're deep in their rebuild. They're coming up. They've got their shiny new toys and Logan Cooley and Connor Bedard, respectively. Mm-hmm. You're just getting experience for those guys. What I like more about Chicago is I think their pieces are better. I like Connor Bedard more than Logan Cooley. Really? Yeah, they're... Connor Bedard's good. Yeah, yeah. Connor Bedard projects to be a good NHL player. Breaking news here, folks. But <laughs> Hot take there, AJ. <laughs> also, beyond that, I like some of Chicago's other pieces better. Like having Taylor Hall and Corey Perry, yeah. as Jacob mentioned, that's huge. Having two former Hart Trophy winners, Arizona doesn't have that anything close to that. I also like some of Chicago's prospects better. Um, Lucas Reichel, I think, can take off too this year. So, yeah. The, the only thing that concerns me about Chicago is their lack of defense. And like their goaltending behind their leaky defense. What do you mean? They spent nine, ten million on Seth Jones. Like they don't need to worry about defense. I, I don't need to be reminded of that contract. Um, but unironically, though, like I do like Seth Jones better than I like anyone on Arizona's blue line. So like that's the thing is both teams now, are yeah. in such similar situations, yeah. but I like Chicago's just a little bit better. But yeah, so like, Chicago's goalies right now are Mrazek. Uh, I think they have Sauber and they have Stauber in the AHL. I mean, I, I will say I thought, you know, I'm not the biggest Peter Mrazek fan, but, like, he's fine, right? Like, he's not horrible. He's good behind a strong defense, which Chicago does not have. Yeah. And I, I think I'm not going to defend our defense. I think Murphy's all right. I think Seth Jones is a good power play quarterback. He has a good shot. Nothing else, pretty much. Um, I, I can't really comment on the rest of our defense. Yeah, so like Mrazek from his time with the Canes, like he's not what I would consider a good volume goalie, like Igor or Vezmelka. And yeah. from his time in Detroit, I would really agree with that. I think my takeaway from Mrazek's time in Detroit, and granted this was when he was younger and arguably, not even arguably, was definitively in his athletic prime, was that 
he was good enough to like steal games, go absolute god mode occasionally. Right. But then when he wasn't in that headspace, he just could not put it together behind a bad defense. Yeah. Which I think he's going to be more prone to that bad defense. I'd argue Chicago, not even argue, I think we can all agree Chicago's defense now probably is the worst defense he's ever played behind. Maybe last season, but Chicago defense is worse than anything he had in Carolina, Detroit, Toronto. And then he's not as young or athletic to be able to go on those heaters yeah. the way he used to. Yeah, they, they had a couple of good defensive pieces like Jake McCabe comes to mind that they traded away at the deadline last year. Trade away Domi. I think uh, Lafferty they got rid of as well. So yeah, I literally just pulled up Chicago's <clears throat> defense and outside of Seth Jones and Kevin Korshinsky, that is a lot of NPCs. Oh my God. Connor, Connor Murphy's all right, but I, I'm being very literal when I say he, he's, a, he's a good second pairing guy, but. Yeah, I mean, Chicago's defense is just year. Well, I'm trying to make a joke about they have like the placeholder image for all of their defensive guys, but yeah, I just stepped all over it, so we'll just move on. Uh, cool. Next in the division, I have the Blues. I, I, I just, I, I don't think they've done a lot to get better. I don't know what their vision is. Yeah, they, what are they doing? Like, look, you you could argue that last year was a down, but it's like they traded away Ryan O'Reilly. They brought in Kevin Hayes. I I just don't know. Like, does the team have okay, like, depth players? Like, yeah, they have Brandon Saw, they have Kevin Hayes, right? They have Kyrou, who's pretty good. Uh, Tory Krug is still there. I, he's old now. Bennington could potentially bounce back and have a decent year, but he's been so shaky since the cup final. I, I, I don't – I just think they're a very mediocre team. Like, yeah. Like, to AJ's point, it's like, like, is Kyrou pretty good? Yeah, but, like – their top end talent doesn't stack up. Like even with Chicago, I would argue Chicago has better top end talent than St. Louis. Um, just yeah, they're good and deep enough not to be a lottery team, but they're bad enough where they won't sniff the point. They're in purgatory. Yeah, I think they're going to live and die by how Bennington plays. We've seen throughout the course of his career. He can absolutely, he's a sociopath, but either both in the good goalie way of I'm going to stop everything in front of me or in the bad goalie way of I'm going to let in six shots and then try to fight the other team. Right. Which Bennington are we going to see this year? And we'll probably see both, honestly. How much we see of either one, I think, is going to ultimately determine St. Louis' season. Yeah, let's not forget that St. Louis gave up a hat trick to Jordan Greenwinski Martin up last year. Yeah. Didn't Martin have two hat tricks last year? No, he just had the one against St. Louis in St. Louis. Who else is on their defense besides Krug? I'm trying to think about that. Uh, Tyron, I'm pretty sure it's a defense move. Y'all like the um, motor sounds you can hear outside right now? That is the delightful Charlotte Uptown. Yep. All right, defense. Oh, they have Portuzo, too. Oh, they still have Justin Falk. What What a name. What a... Kane's legend. Kane's legend, yeah. yeah. Former Kane's co-captain. Oh, don't forget Blackhawks legend Nick Letty. Yep. Oh, my God. Colton Pareko is still in the league. Yeah, this defense is so old. They, uh, Yeah, I think where you have St. Louis is a good spot. There's yeah. old directionless. Yeah. Uh, it, speaking about directionless, you could, <laughs> the next team I have is Nashville. I, I Look, I, I could see them making – in all honesty, I could see them making the playoffs. I could see them sucking. I – I don't really understand what he's doing. Forsberg's coming back off injury. He's going to be good for them. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly is going to provide some center depth. Um, Gustav Nyquist is a good um, offensive piece they added, too. Yeah, look, Saros is a I one of the top boys in the league. 
can't deny yeah. about it. He's very good. Oh yeah. It, it's just like they it, Roman Yossi is perennial, like should be a Norris candidate every year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. he, he's awesome. Like, well, even as a Blackhawks fan, I he's a great player. He plays the game right. Fun to watch. Like, even when we were playing him in the playoffs, he was a guy I enjoyed watching. Um, but again, it's like they have the top end talent. They have some depth, but it's not a complete enough team where I expect them to actually contend. I think everybody expects <clears> them to rebuild this year, and then they went and got Ryan O'Reilly. So. I have him fifth just because I, I could see him finishing as high as third, as low as like sixth, but yeah. I, I just, they're a team where I'm like, hey, I don't really know what their goal is, which brings me to my next team, which I don't really think they know what their goal is. Um, I have Winnipeg at fourth. I, I could see them blowing up, selling everyone, or keeping everyone. I kind of lean more towards that they will kind of try to keep that team together based on kind of the news we saw this offseason with them reaching out to season ticket holders being like, hey, can you please renew? We need the money. So I think they're kind of in a situation where they realize, like, we still want to win now so we can keep the team here. And I, I don't mean to imply that I think the team's going to move or I think they're in dire straits. I don't have that information. You know, and I, I don't want to make assumptions, but if I were to say, are they going to win now versus blow it up, I'd say probably try to win now. Um... But I like Kyle Connor. I like, you know, Morrissey. Hellebuck is for should be a Vesna candidate every year. Um I just think the Central's not, you know, a great division and that if they were to, for instance, play in the Metro, they would make a playoffs. Yeah. And yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, full heartedly agree. And I think they're going to try and win now because uh, Hellebuck's done after this year in mean, UFA. So um, if they're losing, they're less likely to be able to re-sign him. So just flip him. That, in theory, yeah. But. Well, also adding to that, um, a big dynamic between the two. Is <clears throat> Nashville and Winnipeg, honestly, to me, are in very similar situations. Directionless team with elite goaltending and a couple other good pieces to kind of keep them from rebuilding while also not being good enough to right. really be written in pen for the playoffs. The thing that I agree with you on having Winnipeg higher on is they have, in my mind, more motive to win. Uh, there was the letter you uh, mentioned went out earlier in the offseason that kind of basically implied why they won't be rebuilding anytime soon. They need that season ticket holder money. They need that gate revenue. On top of that, Kevin Shevin, Kevin Shevel Dayoff has been with the Jets for almost 13, 14 years at this point. His seat has got to be getting hot at this point. Barry Trotz is a brand new GM. If Barry wanted to walk in and just blow the team up, he could do that. Yeah. Winnipeg's it's also gonna, Barry Trotz in Nashville. That too, exactly. Whereas Winnipeg, they had, that administration at least has way more motive to win and even earn a playoff spot than Nashville does. Yeah. With the West Wild Cards, like, I, I think the only team that's like a lock, probably Seattle, is going to get in, which is how deep scoring have, and I, I think, honestly, their goaltending has been so bad the past couple of years that, hey, they've made the playoffs with horrible goaltending. If it gets better, they'll probably make the playoffs again. Right. But, like, the other wild cards in the West, I think you throw in Winnipeg, Calgary, Nashville, I think those teams are all fair. I, I could also see a situation where Vancouver makes it, albeit I think that's very unlikely. Um... 
I, I personally predicted Seattle and Calgary to be the two wild cards in the West, but what the city of Vancouver know what to do if they got a wild card right now? It'd probably burn down again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think Calgary's probably primed for a bounce back. Seattle, I think, is good. Uh, just straight up a good playoff team. And then Winnipeg and Nashville, I'm so unsure of what they're doing. I can't reasonably say this is a playoff team. Right. Uh, brings me to my three seed in the central. I think this is abundantly obvious. So I want to pick the wild. Uh, they have better top end talent than all the other teams below them. Kaprizov's a very good goal scorer. Um, Brodeen, underrated defenseman. Um, you know, their goaltending tandem it truly is a tandem with Gustafson and, uh, Flurry is elite. Um, yeah, I mean, they're a playoff, consistent playoff team. They have good top end talent, good depth, but not better than either one of the top two teams in the Central. Um, yeah, I just, I think the Wild will make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to. Granted, in, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs, little, like a lot of randomness there, but I don't see the Wild progressing far in the playoffs. Well, yeah, because they're going to get either Colorado or Dallas in round one, right. probably likely the other one in round two. Yeah. And I don't think any team in the Central or any Wild card contending team in the uh, West could beat those teams back to back. No. Yeah, the Wild are in such a weird spot where they're like definitively better than the five teams below them, but also so much definitively worse than the top two teams behind them. If only we could fix the seeding for the standing cup playoffs. Yeah, if only there was like a system that worked beforehand. Like almost like numerically? Yeah. Maybe with reseeding, that would be crazy, but uh, maybe I'm dreaming too big. That would never work in the NHL. No, never. But yeah, Minnesota, because they're basically like that grocery store divider stick of the Central Division. Very well put. I will say... I've seen a lot of wild fans not happy about it, but I very much like it in thirds. I get they're just redoing the same thing for a third straight year, but it's a good thing. I can't see those jerseys without thinking Subway, but yeah, I do think they're well-made jerseys. You still have, you have the wild. Get over it. Uh, so next team I got is two seeds, Colorado. Like, look, they're awesome. Dallas is awesome. I like Dallas's game a little better and I may just be biased that I like the whole defense grindy sort of game because I've watched a lot of the games. Uh Andrew's a better goalie. Yeah, Andrew's a better goalie than uh, I think Gorgiev and yeah. Chris Waller, uh Colorado's standings. Yeah, the, the the Colorado's goalies can be a little leaky. Yeah. Also, oh my god, have you ever seen the abs on the power play? Like that that is that is fun hockey to watch. Oh yeah. Like I, I watched a few Avs Blackhawks games last year. I'm like, oh yeah, we gave up five goals. We did a pretty good job. Yeah, you go you go four forwards and Makar, you really have five forwards and just one of them can play defense. They they ran for a while three defensemen on a power play and if they did Byron Pays Makar. Yeah, I mean when you when you have three defense defensemen you can run on the power play like that. Yeah, you you have forwards that can play defense. Yeah. Um like, look, they're an awesome team. Like, I having Byron as the third best defenseman on your team is insane. Like, I think of it's almost like having a third pairing of Orlov. Yeah, like I, I was gonna say, I'm thinking of the teams that have the deepest defense in the NFL or not NFL, geez, um, in the NHL. Like, I think Colorado, Carolina, Buffalo, and then I, Buffalo maybe not so deep. I just 
very much get excited that they have dollars in power. But it's like I go back and forth between Colorado and Carolina, and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't see anybody else who has this amount of ridiculous depth on defense. Um, look, with Colorado, it, it really is like a, what, what we were saying at Pacific, it's a toss-up. Um, like what, Landstock's hurt. We don't know if he's going to play this year. We don't know if he's going to play again. Um, and, you know, we saw them get bounced by a Seattle team early last year. Uh, where we saw Dallas make a little bit of a deeper run. Ottinger's young, Robertson's young, Haskinen's young. Uh, Hintz, yes, is pretty young. It, it, I remember AJ, you and I talked. Hintz might be the most underrated player in the league. Right now, probably, yeah. He, he's very good. One thing I did like with Colorado's offseason is I think they made a couple good moves to address some of the forward depth issues. I really like the, um, the, uh, Tomas Tatar signing late in the offseason, as well as the Jonathan Duran season. Dr- Jonathan Duran signing earlier in the offseason. Duran's an interesting one to me. He's always had the talent, the potential. He's always been in weird situations. Some of the drama is definitely him. Yeah, he is absolutely sometimes the problem. It's him. Awful Taylor Swift reference. My bad. Anyway, uh, I think Duran in a better situation in Colorado, lower down in the lineup, would do way better than he's done in past situations. And Tomas Tatar... We've seen him in Jersey, very good kind of offense-only, no-defense-type scorer. But as we were just talking, when you have Byron, McCarr, and Caves in your top three, you can have some black holes at defense at forward. Yeah. And, yeah, and like I said, between the abs and stars, <clears throat> such strong teams. I think if somebody were to tell me, I disagree. I think the abs are more than the league. And I more or less rather like, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, what would drive me nuts is, you know, let's have our friend uh, Eric Carlson, of course, Carlson spelled C-A-R-L-S-O-N, who's a HF guy who lives up in Duluth, be like, oh, no, I think the Wild are going to win that division. I think that's a little nuts, but uh, I think stars or abs, I think, pretty solidly will come out. And why I put Dallas number one, Ottinger, I think, you know, he could be a Vezina candidate. Hastings could be a Norris candidate. Robertson could lead the lead in goals. I mean, yeah. X McDavid could lead the lead in goals. Um, and if, you know, I think Hints could really take a step forward where, like, nationally starts getting more recognition. And if those guys take the next step, and I think the risk with Dallas is a guy like Sagan, then Pavelski gets old and becomes a non factor. I mean, they're already old. But that happened sorry. with Jamie Benn two years ago. Yeah. But. <laughs> He, he had a bounce back year last year. Ah, that's true. And I'm just a big Jamie Ben hater, but I, I, you know, it's fair. I don't disagree. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think Dallas plays a sound game, and if any of their young guys take an extra step and you know become like, hey, this guy might be the top guy in his position in the league, um, they they could be a top contender. They could win that division. Um, Again, if you were to say I strongly disagree, I think the abs have it. I just said okay. Yeah, uh, one thing I want to add to that too is I think Dallas's both system they run and their team makeup is more conducive to winning a lot of games in the regular season as opposed to Colorado. But we'll see how it yeah. goes. Yeah. All right, and then moving further east, I know I've got the Atlantic Division. Uh, so before I move into that, just kind of want to give an overview of the weird dynamic of the division. I think we can all agree the Atlantic is the Thunderdome division right now, probably the best division in hockey. You've got a strong, you have a top three that is guaranteed top seeding in any other division. You have the next four teams, so a bottom seven 
who could not even could would definitely win a playoff spot in another division. Any of those bottom four teams in the Atlantic, I think, if you put them in the Central, they would be fighting for a playoff spot. The only I, I don't think Detroit would get a playoff spot in the Metro, but you put any of those teams in, in the, the Central, in the Central or Pacific, I think they make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. except for save one team. We'll start off with that team because I'll go in reverse chronological order, not chronological reverse order. I think Montreal is the definitive last place team in the Atlantic Division. The only one who didn't really add this offseason. They're also very clearly in a rebuild, uh, very clearly playing the prospects. This season's going to be, let's watch what Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki can do while they get scored on a bunch, but that'll be fun. C'est la vue. Uh, moving on to... Wait, I, I think Chris needs to say that the Metro is better before we continue. No, it's fine. I, I'll, I'll get to that when we get to the Metro, because I do think the Metro is better. Uh, so moving along to 7th, I've got, this pains me, but the Detroit Red Wings. I think they did a lot to add in the offseason. I think their talent has been progressing really well, too. Ultimately, you look at how stacked that division is, though. I don't think they've done enough to overcome some of the teams in front of them. I think they're one of the deepest teams in the league. But you look at that top end talent, and it's just not there. Dylan Larkin is a one C, definitely a top six C. But if you want a cup contender, you need him playing second line minutes. I would say the only person on the Detroit Red Wings who is in their right spot, so to say, Mo Sider is the one D. Everyone else in that uh, team, not the Burkett. See, I think he'd be a second line winger on a cup competitive team. But that we'll get to that. Uh, next in the Atlantic, I've got Ottawa. And that's just kind of similar situation with Detroit. They added a lot, but they're still kind of, I don't say deep in their rebuild, still trying to push out of that, still waiting for prospects to develop, get together. I think they're a little bit of the opposite situation. Though. They have like fantastic top-end talent, but they're not very deep. Exactly, yeah. That exact opposite situation is Detroit, but ultimately top-end talent prevails. We saw it happen a year ago on that back-to-back in March where Ottawa was like 5-1 to one, one game, 6-1 to one another, just smack Detroit back and forth. Both teams have similar makeup. Yeah, Detroit went out and got Dabrinkit, but Ottawa went out and got Tarasenko. They also got Kubalik back in that trade, who's not a slouch. So They also didn't even get Corpusalo. You Which, both went the second time, same time. I didn't get any of that. Uh, Kubalik as a second liner is yeah. fine. Like, like, if you put him with good players, he'll score. And that's what he was in Detroit, exactly. Ottawa also had a Corpusalo in goal. Corpusalo, that yeah. too. Uh, Detroit does have Puso, but I like Corpusalo better. Um, also, too, I think Ottawa has better backup goaltending, goal if I remember right. Like Detroit literally signed two guys hoping they would fight them out in yeah, Kane's and Alex Lyon. Yeah, so. the, the Detroit really likes to recycle the former Canes. They really do. Goalies. Uh, um, the NHL is a copycat league, yeah. so that's not. Yeah, Anton Forsberg's their backup, yeah. and I like him better than either of Detroit's backups, too. So, yeah. Um, Going on to number five in the division, and this is where it could really, four and five could really be interchangeable for me, uh, but five, I have Buffalo coming out of a long rebuild. We know they're stacked up front. We know they're stacked, especially at defense. Uh, Tage Thompson, Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin, nothing to really slouch at. Devin Levi is set to make his debut this year. That should be a game breaker. My thing with the Sabres, Buffalo's going to Buffalo until they prove me otherwise. They look like they're about to kick the door through, but we were saying that, what, five years ago with Eichel and Reinhardt, which, you know, to be fair, they did just have massive postseasons, just with different teams. My problem with Buffalo is I think Granado. 
I like his offensive coaching system, but there needs to be more on the Right, yeah. It's I think he was the uh, coach that they needed up until this point. I think I don't know if he's the one that's going to quote unquote get them over the hump. Right, right. And that honestly bleeds the cliche of how teams need to learn how to play defense yeah. to you look at like what Barry Trotz was to the Washington Capitals. Yep. I, I mean but what about when they signed Patrick Kane? Yeah, that could happen. That unironically there is that Patrick Kane sort of thing that's out there. It's been put out already. He's interested in both Detroit as well as Buffalo. It's also been reported that Buffalo is very interested in Patrick Kane. I'm not going to hear anything from Detroit because that organization's famously steel trap for information. But I think if one of Buffalo or Patrick, or excuse me, if one of Buffalo or Detroit add Patrick Kane, that could be a huge difference maker for either organization. But like I said, Buffalo is going to Buffalo until they prove me otherwise. So Kane would probably be a better fit in Buffalo. Just because of the the style, the, yeah. the style and the where they're at and their progression. Yeah, and the like the the, the, re, the lack of requirement for forwards to play defense in Buffalo. Exactly. Yeah, Detroit they like their forwards who can play defense. Well, you guys also haven't brought up the most important thing: geographics. He's from Buffalo. That too. Yeah, there's that actually is a real thing for players. That's why yeah. it went back to Detroit this offseason. Yeah, I, I was halfway being sarcastic, but Kane in interviews has said that he would like to play for Buffalo at some point. We've seen how many guys force their way back to Toronto in a similar vein too. Right. Like that, but there's a reason the media keeps bringing that up, and it's, that's, it's not because it's nothing. But I think Patrick Kane could absolutely be a difference maker for Buffalo if they do go out and get him. Uh, next team I've got is Boston. Feels really weird putting a team that just set the league record for wins and points at fourth in their division, but everything they gave up in Bergeron, Krejci, Bertuzzi, Orlov, combined just how many guys were playing at their absolute ceiling last season. Swayman and Allmark have played outstanding, well above what their average has been up to that point. And I, whether that's a new normal or there's going to be some regression Historically, there's always been regression. Right, exactly. Combine that with losing your top two centers isn't nothing. That's going to affect you at every position. It's not just the top. It's like you lost Bergeron. You lost Bergeron. You lost the self-worth. You lost a Hall of Famer. In my mind, there's a non-zero chance in 25 years that award is the Bergeron Award outright. Right. But literally having that's going to impact your wingers, that's going to impact your defensemen. We've never seen a David Pasternak play without, or play for sustained periods of time, I should say, without a Bergeron. Yeah, because your, your first line in, in Boston now is uh, Pavel Zaka. Pavel Zaka, Marshawn, and Pasternak. Pasternak. Marshawn's also a year older, too, so he's, yeah. in the modern NHL, unfortunately, once you hit 30, you, um, you are due to just fall off a cliff any year, basically. Joe Pavelski, who we didn't mention earlier in the Dallas preview, but he's an anomaly of that rule. Marshan could fall off any year. Pasternak not having that center. And then both goalies, like you mentioned, were playing well above the mean. Yeah. So Also keep in mind, Joe Pavelski plays on a line with Rope Hans and Jason Robinson. Yeah. That's it, yeah. So it's like, you know, you put me on that line, I'll score a few goals. Also true, too. And I can't skate, but, I, you know, you play me with those two guys, I will score over 82 games, a goal. Yeah, I, I can see that. But, yeah. The thing is, Boston, they've been being written off, I feel like, for the last four years. So they're going to hear this and go out and get 150 points somehow. So uh, that's kind of why I have Boston. Fourth feels right. Yeah, that's why, that's why I have them there. They lost a lot, but that's a hard team to write off. Yeah, I, so I, I think Boston's demise is probably still 
two or three years truly off. I agree with you with that. I think it. I think what happens with Boston when they do finally fall off is their core ages out and they just blow it up and get rid of McAvoy. Yeah, they're going to be. But that's again two to three years down the line. Yeah, it's, it's Pitts Pittsburgh. Yeah, no one is projecting Boston to blow it up this year. No. But I'll say I had Buffalo and Boston fourth. But yeah. it, it's another one of those things where if Boston was four, Buffalo was five, I would just struggle with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Boston's in that situation where I'm not going to be surprised if they make the playoffs. I'm not going to be surprised if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, same with Buffalo. Yeah. And then coming up on three, I've got Florida. Uh, this was a team I really struggled with because we're two years removed from a President's Trophy championship from them and one year removed from a Eastern Conference Final championship. That being said, just on paper, I don't know if I like them better than the top two teams. They're also, a lot of their playoff success came from a goalie heater that we probably won't ever historic see Historic goalie historic, heater. Historic goalie heater, yeah. I saw, you know, a whole seven periods of that in yeah. person. Yeah, in two games. Oh, you were there for game one, too. Right? I, I, yeah, I, I was there for the four-overtime uh, debacle. Yeah, you, you didn't drive back to Charlotte after. No, I did not, because I'm not a madman. I drove back, and I had a 7 a.m. flight. I did not sleep that day. I stayed home. <laughs> and, so, and somehow, I, I think AJ, AJ won that one. <laughs> You can tell there's a lot of Sergei Bobrovsky frustration on this podcast if you haven't already. Yeah. I personally don't mind the guy. Oh, I think he's funny too. Just last playoffs was brutal. But yeah, it. I don't see Bob going on anything. I don't know if Bob ever does that in his career ever again. Objectively speaking, most goalies don't put on performances that good ever. Yeah, yeah or, or your Patrick Wall. Or your Patrick Wall, exactly. They do have Spencer Knight coming back, but given yeah. the context of everything that happened, I'm not going to comment on what happened with him. He, put out, he did a great interview, I want to say, with The Athletic a couple weeks ago. Go read that if you haven't already. But all the context around that, him, I could see it being weird. Add on top of that, Montour and Ekblad, who played huge minutes for them in the playoffs, are starting the season injured. Granted, it's the NHL where injury times are never as long as they right. claim to be. But I just... I can't see Florida like dominating or running away with the division, but with the way the other five teams are set up, I can't see them being behind them, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Go go watch the Florida Panthers from last year and then focus on Ekblad and Montour and tell me those guys didn't have an incredible impact on that team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I also do think that the Florida Panthers we saw in the first half of last season weren't indicative of what that team is. Yeah. I think that was just... Yeah, so, yeah, the Florida is somewhere between the just bottom... I mean, because they, they, had, they had to hold off like Pittsburgh for the last playoffs. Yeah. They're somewhere between like the worst that they played in the regular season and playoffs. Right. And Bob has a lot to do with that, um, especially saving 16 goals above average, above expected in the playoffs, which is just absurd. Um, so they're somewhere in the middle. And, you know, if you're a Florida fan, one of the 20, uh, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get yourself prepared for some like, you know, it's going to be some wild swings through the season. Absolutely, but I also struggle to really write off a team with Matthew Kachuk and Sasha Barkov oh, yeah. as your top two center. That is an all-time Kachuk one. Yeah. I thought you put it center. No, but I mean Sam Bennett's your second line center, and like he's a fantastic player. Yeah, so right. Like yeah. Uh, and then moving past Florida, I've got Tampa at the top two slot. Was this before the Vaz injury, or this was after actually? Okay. I, in my mind, I think Tampa can overcome the Vasilevsky injury better than Florida can overcome the injuries to two of their top defensemen. I think 
with a good defensive scheme, you can hide a bad yeah. goalie. See Peter Morazic in Carolina. Yep. Um, but Ned in Carolina. Ned in Carolina, too. Yep. But also beyond that, too, even if you have a bad goalie, you score more goals than the yeah. other team scores on you, which you can do with Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, etc. Yeah, Tampa's power play is going to it's make legal. up. Yeah, it's going to make up for some of the the deficit they're going to have in goalie for what first six I, weeks. Yeah, that team's definitely older. They've lost a lot of depth. There's no doubt about that. But you look at they've also played a lot of hockey. They played a lot of hockey, but you just it's so hard writing that off yeah. to not be good. Especially like yeah, the Vasilevsky injury is unfortunate, but like I've been saying, injury times in hockey are never as long as we thought they'd be. Look at what happened with Marshan, not Marshan. Um, yeah, no, it was Marshan. Marshan and McAvoy last season, and that's why I really struggle to really commit to the idea that Vasilevsky is going to be out for two straight months when we've seen that happen. Not that way, so many times. Yeah, I will say I had Florida and Tampa flip, um, but I, again, I could see it going. These are two teams that are playing. Exactly. Those that top three in my mind is very write it in pen, switch the order around if you need to, but that is a very set top three. Leading into my number one, we have Toronto. Feels very weird putting the Leafs projected to be well, period. But you look at that team makeup, they're loaded. They've also had the least amount of changeovers. There's no element of like having to relearn the room, relearn the they system got another or anything dummy. like that. They what? They got another dummy. A what? Dummy. Max Domi. Oh, yeah, Max Domi. Yep, they've got him back. Um, but outside of that, like, they don't have a lot of the drama they had last year. Right. It's actually been something they've been talking about at their preseason camps where that lame duck kind of feeling that came with the Dubas term last year, they're not feeling that. Matthews, Marner have been saying in interviews the pressure is off. That team's also just built to be good at regular season hockey. That's nothing new. So I think Toronto runs away with this division just by virtue of having kind of the least shaken up or the least question marks coming this season. Yeah. yeah. But if you really want to say, like, hey, what's – and, like, what have been the, the big question marks with this team? Yeah. Okay, well, they got Max Domi and Tyler Matuzzi. Yep. Yeah. The top guys can score. Yep. Like, I, I say this is somebody who's watched a good bit of Max Domi being made in Chicago last year and Carolina the prior year. The guy plays hard two ways, right? Like, is he elite talent? No, but he plays hard two ways. Um, only thing that I think, like – draw a question mark on it is maybe goaltending, but I think Samsonov is a good enough goaltender. You put that team in front of him, he'll do fine. Who's their backup again? Uh, Joseph Wall. No, Murray's gone. Oh, yeah, he's on LTIR, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Joseph Wall's backup. Probably LTII retirement. Yeah. Um, posts will never have to shake in fear again. Nope. Nets can stay upright now in Toronto. Good for them. Oh, they also have John Klingberg, too. He's good on the back end, too. He'd be a good second power play unit guy. Yeah. Uh, you talked about Jake McCabe earlier with the Chicago preview. They've got him now, yep. too. Um, Will Grin should also progress, too. Good young defenseman. He's only 24 years old. So. Yeah, so Toronto went in the Atlantic. Yes. Um because, yeah, this iteration of Toronto's, their story has never been the regular season. Nope. It's always been the first round of the playoffs going, man, now, let me say the second round, I suppose. But, yeah, that's, I still don't see them going far in playoffs. I, I can see them making the ECF this year, but that's, I, I think that's the top limit of Toronto this year. Toronto's an interesting one for me because, like, 
I think they have the talent to win the Stanley Cup, objectively speaking. But A, there's just the mental factor of it's Toronto. But then also, I don't know if they have the team makeup to do it necessarily. Like the amount of good like defensive defense guys that they have. And it's not to say that you need to like play only a defensive style of hockey to win the Stanley Cup. Sidney Crosby won back-to-back yeah. cups with Ron Ainsey playing top four minutes. Like It can be done, but you need to be able to play a good shutdown game when the time comes for it. And I just don't know if there's anyone in Toronto who can do that. Yeah, but... Like, I don't know if they have, like, a Chris Draper or an Alex Kalorn or Anthony right. Sorelli, someone to just, like, okay, the guy's making 10 mil a year, can't do anything right now, let me go do my thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I may hold them a little higher. I Do I have them as my cup pick? No, but I, I think they could win it this year. I mean, I think... Um, I agree with a lot of what you guys said, but I think the whole Domi, Bertuzzi signings, and having McCabe on their team for the back end of last year, I think they have kind of dedicated themselves to getting better at defense. Now, again, not my cup pick. I, I could very easily see them um, getting knocked out in the first or second round again, but I could see them working it. Yeah, and... Thinking through it, I'm going to actually agree with AJ. I do think the Atlantic's tougher this season uh, than the Metro. Um, some of the middle teams, I guess this would dovetail nicely into our Metro things. Uh, some of the middle teams in the Metro, Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, they've taken a step back. Um, so I think the Metro is top heavy, but like there are six teams. Well, five teams in the Atlantic that could finish anywhere from two to five. Or sorry, two to six. Yeah. I also think, too, with the Metro, the Metro has two Montreals, basically. Yeah, and Columbus and uh, Philly. Yeah. Not to spoil the upcoming previews, but... Yeah, it, it... Yeah, the Islanders, Capitals, Penguins, they're going to be fighting for, you know, that fourth spot in the Metro. You almost start at the bottom for the Metro? What are we feeling? Um... I'm going to go with Columbus. I, I know they have. I think they have better talent than Philly. Also, Tortorella being their coach. I mean that that in his second season, Tortorella. So it's you know, it's yeah, not, exactly. <laughs> he, he might have already worn out his welcome. Right, there's always that. But the thing that they have a coach. There's that. What also gets me about Columbus that's going to be interesting is how are they going to react to the whole Mike Babcock saga that just happened? They're, they're changing the passcodes on their phone. Yeah, exactly. Burner phones, they've got yeah. like two hidden camera rolls, all that. Yeah. But you know, especially like when it came out, what's going to be interesting to me is you know it came out that that room had very different takeaways from their separate meetings with Babcock. How are they going to react to that? Is that going to be like, they're going to come together and like kind of, I don't want to say apologize over that, but kind of talk to, have a kind of moment of understanding about that, or is that going to be a weird, like, oh, you went to media around my back, you didn't support me to the coach type thing. Like, without knowing what the dynamic in the room is, I could see so many scenarios that just make things weird for that team. Yeah, and... and they, do they, have, they do have a shared enemy now, and that does typically bring a group together real fast. Yeah, it does. Enemy. But there's still some organizational disarray, more so than there is in Philly, which, you know... I, I I can hear the Philadelphia fans at the moment going, whoa, 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 let's, you know, cool your jazz. Because I, I, even Philly fans are like, you know, their organization doesn't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, the thing with Philly, though, is their ownership didn't just put out a statement calling into question the competence of their general manager. Like, 
Right, and, and and Philly fans are probably upset that they haven't done that. Is my point. Yeah, they did just fire their GM. Yeah, they did. Like Breer, I thought had a good summer. Yeah, and he's already used up his good his honeymoon period in Philly. I mean, I, I say that almost sarcastically, you know, because Philly is one of the sports cities that I, I know that they get dumped on a lot, but they are very, very passionate. We'll use the word passionate uh, about their teams and almost sometimes to a detriment when if you're one of the executives in a Philly sports team. Yeah, I mean, we all, we all remember the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, but I think even more to remember all the poles in Philadelphia being greased up with industrial lubricants yes. so that people to climb up them. And they to, still found a way to. to. Yeah, to still have people climb on them. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they are, they have, like it's a very passionate fan base. Uh, I, I think they have a bad rap. There's some of that is deserved, some that is exaggerated. Uh, but yeah, they, they are very hard on their organizations there. From what I can tell, though, Philly fans so far seem to be happy with what the Bre- right. It's been a, a single off season, right? They've been happy with what the Breer administration has done. Some of like how they've handled getting certain contracts off the books. That the Jeff Carter move was a nice piece of business on their part. Well, no, Jeff Carter was a Pittsburgh guy. I ended up backwards. My bad. My yeah. bad. Well, so it was the the trade they backed out of with the Hurricanes is one of the rare like you know. Win-win situations because Philly got the second buyout period, which allowed them to buy out D'Angelo less than the fifty percent retained, uh, and also you know allowed the Kings to sign him for cheaper than they would have for the fifty percent retained as well. So uh, they, they they have made some smart moves, but and I think that's going to put them above Columbus. But uh, yeah, it was Kevin Hayes. That was the albatross yeah, yeah. that he got rid of that. There we go. So, yeah, I, I would put Philly above Columbus just because the organizational disarray around yeah, exactly. Columbus. Yeah. I actually have those flipped. Um, I could very easily see Philly selling guys, and that's inclusive of Carter Hart, inclusive of Sean Couturier. I, I could see them very much selling those guys off. Uh, Travis Canenti is another one I could see them selling off. And what yeah. lends to that, too, is like. I'd like to have Canenti on the Canes. The Mishkov pick they made this past, like in the, um, this past draft. So for those of you who don't know, who don't quite follow prospects, at seventh overall, the Flyers drafted Matt Van Mishkov, who, all things considered, was definitively the second or third best pick in last year's draft. It was not close. He has a KHL contract yep. until, I want to say, 2025 or 2026, which... That alone has a lot of team had a lot of teams uneasy to draft him just because you really want to take a guy you're not going to see in that many years, especially given the current political situation in Russia. Especially given there was a lot of just, a lot of stuff happened with Mishkov's personal life too. I Google that if you want to learn more about that. But by picking this high elite talent, they're not going to see for another four ish years. They're basically saying our window is this. Yep. We, so I could, like you said, I could absolutely see them selling to kind of push for that window. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm Philly finishes last. Yeah, not surprised, but I still think Columbus is overall from a winning perspective. Columbus is going to be worse than Philly. They both had problems closing games out last year, though. They both have their own problems. They're working through. I like, like I think we, I think this has all been said already. But I like Columbus's talent better, but their organization is in such a disarray, like you said. Yeah. Who do you guys have at six? Can I put the Rangers there? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe you did, but I no, I did not. Um, 
I've got the Capitals there. I, I agree with that. I have there, too. I've got the Islanders there. I can see that. Uh, they're one Sorokin groin pull from falling yeah. off. Yeah. I mean, hell, they're one Sorokin. They're one Sorokin bad week. They're one Sorokin breakup away yeah. from, like, it just thing slightly throws his game off. Yeah. That team is your local retirement home at Elias Sorokin. So. Yeah, and they all, they all have seven years because of Lou. Yeah, because of Lou. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like... Look, when your when your top top talent is Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat, and like look, the Islanders very deep on defense, like Dobson's good, and like you have a very deep defensive core, uh, defensive core, excuse me. But at, at the same time, having a deep defensive core, a guy who probably should be a second line center, like a tender, and a playmaking winger. The only reason they were they were a playoff team last year is to be able to Yeah, they they would be a very good team pre two thousand four lockout. Yeah, they would run the 90s. They would run the neutral zone. So I'm looking at their forward core right now, and outside of Horvat and um, Barzal, it literally is like just an exercise of that guy still plays. Right. So that's where we're at with the Islanders. Yeah, like are, are Brock Nelson or yes. Islanders League good players? Yes. But are they top-line players? No. They, they don't have anybody on that team that I can point to apart from maybe Matt Barzal and be like, that guy belongs on the first line. Bo Horvat is a support guy, but... Support guy being the key word there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think the goaltending is... They're going to get the benefit of the doubt in the goaltending. So that's why I would put Washington more than... That's fair. That's yeah, the same thing I did. I mean... I mean, Ovechkin's going to get his. Yeah, is Ovechkin good? Yes. Is, like, John Carlson good? Yes. But it's, like... Yeah, they have some decent pieces on that team, but there's no like, – I don't look at that roster and think, oh, this is a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, Colorado dumped Kemper and went farther in the playoffs because Kemper is not a solid, reliable goalie. Was Kemper not – I thought Kemper was a goalie when they won the championship. Did I get him and uh, Grubauer mixed? Yeah, you got him and Grubauer okay. mixed. All right, well, then I retract my statement. Yeah. That's why I have Washington higher than New York for me. Is it's I don't think because of uh, Darcy Kemper. No, because I like their talent better. Um, kind of what's going on with the two teams with me is it's way easier for me to have faith in multiple guys than it is for me to have faith in one guy. It is way easier for me to think Ovechkin and Backstrom together could just will a team into an eight seed as opposed to just one Ilya Sorokin. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I you guys want to spend any more time on Washington? Um. Nah, we're literally getting caught over whether or not they're a four or right. five seed. I don't even think. Yeah. I don't think the four seed is a yeah. team to begin with. So it's yeah. I, I, I'm gonna assume we all have Pittsburgh at four. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my thoughts on the team are same teams last year. They added Eric Carlson. They'll win a few more games, but they're still like an old pop heavy team with yeah. mediocre goaltending. Yeah, it's been yeah. kind of. That's being kind. I will say I do have him as the um, the wild card over Boston, just because I think that teams have a lot more consistency, a lot of change in Boston. I just trust that Pittsburgh's going to finish right where they did last year. I don't, I don't think anybody has that faith in Boston, but um, I think there's potential for a big four in Boston. But if Boston makes the playoffs and Pittsburgh misses, would I be surprised? No. I also think it's going to be easier to grab a wild card spot in the Metro as opposed to the Atlantic because you have less of that Thunderdome dynamic. Yeah. Like, 
playing the seventh seed Red Wings in the Atlantic is a way tougher task than playing the seventh seed Jackets or Flyers in the Metro. I think we can all agree on that. So I think it's going to be way easier for that top four to take points away from that bottom four, bottom three than it would be in the Atlantic. Yeah, I haven't looked. Probably should have, but part of that's going to be, you know, which team plays Washington, or sorry, Philly and the Blue Jackets four times versus three times. That too, yeah. Because that's almost, you know, an extra two points. Not to, you know, be too insulting to Philly and Columbus, but yeah. The thing I'd be curious to see with Pittsburgh too is, you know, it was well documented that part of what didn't work in um, San Jose from a production standpoint with Burns and Carlson is that both of them need to be, quote, the guy when they are like out there. They have a Chris Tang already who plays that similar offensive defenseman game. What's it going to be like between the two of them? I think that's going to be a very interesting dynamic to see, especially when you have Chris Letang, who's never had to like deal with sharing that spot in his career versus Carlson, who's just coming out of being frustrated with that situation. I, I don't think, I mean, they're going to split them up. Right. And so you're going to have one as your PP1 and one as your PP2. But what I'm saying is like, they did that in, they even tried doing that in San Jose and that didn't quite work out because like, they both wanted that PP1 role. Like, at the end of the day, you need guys who can play with elite talent. Yeah. Like, Patrick Hornquist making an Olympic team over Martin St. Louis wasn't just, like, nothing. There was a reason behind that. And so I would just, I would be very interested to see how that works out with Pittsburgh if one of them regresses in any way. Yeah. Well, they, they have already talked about it, and Carlson's going to be the first power play okay. guy, and then Lucanus going to get top pairing minutes, so it gives okay. Carlson a little bit less of a defensive. Break. So if the expectation is for Carlson to repeat his 100-plus point... Uh, That's not going to happen. No, it's not going to no. happen. God, no. Uh, I mean... Especially because, like, how many teams last year... Did San Jose play that put in their backup goalies the second they saw the San Jose that they're not going to have that same advantage for in Pittsburgh? Right. All right. So three. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming all of us have got the Rangers at three. Yep. Yep. Just Igor. They're good, but not too good. Right. Aaron's good. Uh, Kreider's still good. Igor's great. Adam Fox is one of the best at his position in the world. Trocheck can be good. Trocheck can be good, but also very very frustrating. Um, Truba's a good defenseman, just way overpaid. Yeah, Capo, decent. Yeah, I think the story with them is like, look, their top end talent is fantastic. Their goaltending is fantastic. Their depth is okay. Not not bad, not great. The story with them, I think, is just they play in the same division as Carolina and New Jersey. Yeah, the only other thing that I could see is how are they going to adjust the lobby style? What style? Peter Laviolette style. He's their oh, coach God, now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Washington's reportedly very frustrated about that style. Like, yeah. Again, yeah. I don't know if y'all are, Evgeny Kuznetsov had an interview recently where he basically just he outright said, I don't, I never understood why we were running this system. It's a derivation. Like, well, Brendan Moore picked it up with yeah. the system that they run in Carolina from Lobby. So, because it's what got him a cup. Right. And I, I, I don't know. The Rangers feel like, you know, that team that's in between, like, what I would consider the freewheeling style of the Devils and the, you know, four-check, 200-foot game of Carolina. The Rangers kind of sit in the middle of that. And I – but if I had to, like, shade them to one side, it's going to be the offense of, yeah, of I, Jersey. Um, granted, they have Igor, who I is one of the best volume goalies in the league. Actually, just one of the best goalies in the league, I would say. Um, so the shot suppression that – Lamulet's going to try and 
push onto that team, is it going to work? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you, especially you look at how some of their forwards are made up and how they play. Like, I'd be curious to see how Panarin would respond to being forced to play a more responsible role. Yeah, I think Keandre Miller is going to thrive in that system. Absolutely. Yeah. Keandre Miller is their most underrated player. Oh, yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. Uh, also, to quote Panarin from his time in Chicago, best defense is more offense. What's going to be interesting for me to see, too, is, um, you know, Kako and Lafreniere have been a story for them yeah. ongoing. And it's still, like, they're still too stacked up front to really give them that time. It's kind of that catch-22 of how do you get that experience, but also you need experience to yep. get a certain spot. And especially, too, with them bringing in a more defensive-oriented head coach, like, is he going to be patient to give them the minutes they want, or is he going to be like, oh, you don't have that 200-foot game I need press box time for you. So, which, you know, if the Carolina Hurricanes could get Alexi Lafreniere as a reclamation project and then have him boom for us, that'd be incredible. But Yeah, wouldn't, I, would, I would not. I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't yeah. bet on that at all. But No, like, yeah, if there was a very similar situation to what that's was going fair. on with KK. Yeah, that's so, fair. Yeah. So, who do you guys have winning the division? I keep going back and forth between the Devils and the Hurricanes. Go ahead and make me safety inspector of your latest or your newest nuclear power plant. I'm a big old homer. I've got Carolina winning the division. Yeah, I, just the homer in me wants to go Carolina, but objectively, Jersey style can win them more points in the regular season. Yeah, I got Jersey as well. I have them as my president's trophy pick. Which I'm okay with that because, you know, AJ, you, you disagree. I disagree. Yeah, I've got there's two things that hold me back from that with Jersey. I like Carolina's goaltending way better. I think Carolina yeah. has three better goaltenders yeah. than Jersey has. On top of that, Jersey's defense over the next couple of years is going to be going through a transitional period. Over the past couple of years, they've used two top five picks on defensemen. They're going to be wanting to phase those guys in. Anytime you're phasing a new defenseman, there's growing pains. There's always they make like boneheaded mistakes. It happens. I watched Moritz Sider win the Rookie of the Year in Detroit last two years ago. It was the same thing. He still made his fair share of dumb mistakes. And I think as the Devils phase in Nemich and Luke Hughes, they're going to be struggling with that over the next two years. Granted, I still have them at number two in my division, so I'm not saying phasing in two top five drafted defensemen and not having elite goaltending to bring them down. I just, especially for the grind regular season hockey is, I like Carolina's roster better. That's fair. Um, But yeah, I could also just see New Jersey winning more regular season games. Um, because their style, I think, is going to lend themselves to less overtime games. Like, I could see them having more wins and probably more losses, um, but and more points in total, because I think Carolina is going to be a little more balanced between the wins, losses, and the loser points. But how much that, though, evens out, though, if they're also losing a bunch in regulation because they're getting blown up I get it. their defense, but... How many guys walk in? Who else do they have on that defense? Because I know they just got rid of Severson, which is a big one for them. I mean, they have Dougie, but... Doug, Dougie doesn't play yeah, defense. Call, Dougie. Calling Dougie a defenseman is just based on the location where he plays. Exactly him. that, yeah. yeah. Uh, they have Marino, who's okay. Uh, Sharon Govich. I don't, I don't know if he left or if he's still he's there. He's still there. My, my whole rationale with Jersey is, I look, they score a lot of goals. Timo Meyer's going to be there for a whole year. Uh, Mercer's going to get better. Uh, I Brett, Brant, and Hughes, I think, have potential to get better. Keisha's a great two-way forward. They added to Foley. 
Like this team could put up like four or five goals a game. Um, I think they're just going to absolutely beat up on the bad teams. I think teams like Carolina, Tampa, Vegas, Dallas, teams that like play very solid two-way hockey and are experienced playoff teams will give them a lot of trouble. But I can see them just going on an absolute tear this regular season and then eventually running into a brick wall sometime in the playoffs. But I think... Well, if they see the Canes in the playoffs, they're, they are going to go out because they still have Eric Holla. I mean, that, that's how these things work. Right. Uh, I, I, I think that potential going on a heater this regular season. Again, like, do I have a high conviction in my pick? No, but I was more or less like, oh, they, they haven't won a President's Trophy. I think this could be their year to be on a heater during the regular season. And I, I think Carolina, you, I think they're going to play for the playoffs. No, because Rod would lose his mind if that happened. Um, but it, look, they, they won the division by a point last year. Yep. I think Jersey added more of what they're good at, but Carolina did too. But um, I, I think they'll edge them out slightly this year. And again, this is, I've been saying this the whole time we've gone through this, but flip it. Am I surprised? Nope. Um, so I guess now we talk about the Hurricanes. Um, like in the second of the division. Do we want to go over um, the award projections first? All right, I was just saying, talk oh. about them, like why we have them. Oh, yeah, division. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, look, everything they did last year worked um, up until the point where they ran into a hot goalie. Yep. And I have no reason to think it won't work again. I think Rod's a fantastic coach. They're deep. We saw them go on a 13 win or 13 game winning streak without their best player. Saw them win games without Slavin, without Sveshnikov. I like. Yeah, anytime your third paired defenseman can move up to the top line and you don't miss a beat, and that's Chatfield because he, yeah. he slid up with beside Burns. I mean, that I, I actually, although I think at that time they did bump Pesci and Shea up to the technically the first. They pair. probably gave him one minute. Yeah. Then to add to all that too, they got better. They added Orlov, they yeah. added Bunting, they kept the goaltending around while basically giving their goaltender of the future every opportunity yep. to kick the door down. Yeah, I, I mean, they got deeper on defense, and they added Bunting and Lemieux, which gives and TDA, which yeah. gives them some of that edge they were missing. Like Also, Jarvis is a year older. Like, what you said about Dawson Mercer taking a year, like, yeah. they were the same draft year, so assume whatever step you're assuming Mercer is going to take, it's only fair to assume Jarvis is taking the same step, too. Yeah, Either reading something or listening to one of the interviews, but apparently Rod and I'm drawing a blank on Carolina's shooting coach uh, basically reconstructed Jarvis's game last year. That happens when you get to the NHL. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. unheard of at all. Uh, yeah, they just let him play the first season. He, he had the quote unquote sophomore slump, but, you know, I've, I've heard Jarvis say uh, in his exit interview uh, or in the season interview uh, that. There were times last season where he was thinking too much, uh, but toward the end of the season and into the playoffs, he was thinking less and less. So I'm playoffs. Hmm? You agree? Oh yeah. So I'm I'm expecting Jarvis to make that step forward. I'm you know. Also, from a pure like human biology perspective, he's not at his athletic prime no. yet as a human being. He is only going to get faster and stronger. He's only 21 years old. Yeah. He is. What three years away from hitting his prime? Yeah, but he's still he's three years away, but he's still already like you know ferocious on the puck, hard as hell to knock oh, off. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, he plays a hell of a lot bigger than he is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, that's the thing with Carolina is like you, you can debate like look, you can debate if they have the top end scoring the cup. You can debate if um you know the goaltending is elite enough to go on a heater to win a cup. Like you can debate if they can win a cup. You can't debate that they're gonna make the playoffs. No. You like the team is built to a stand. Like they have Terabinin playing on their third line, which is he a top line guy? No, but is he a middle six guy? Yeah, like when you have depth where Terabine is playing the third line, Orlock's playing on the third pairing, like TDA is your second power play guy, you have Coach Hetkov as your third goalie, like you, your team's going to make the playoffs. Yeah. For the, they should. Well, it's not, you know, I don't want to guarantee anything, but yes, they should make the playoffs. Yeah. If, if they were not to make a, the playoffs, it would be a matter of like five different things going on. Yeah. Somebody would have to get injured, like Ron like, would have yeah. to like resign. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it, there would have to be a lot to go wrong for them to not make the playoffs. This is really insightful. Reigning division champ that only added in the offseason slated to make playoffs again. This is yeah. Yeah. this is a big brain journalism right here. Yeah. Cool. Right. So you guys want to predict the words now? I'm down. Yeah. So a, a lot of these. Should, should we also for the awards? I know NHL awards go like by different names, so you won't have like MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. You'll have the Hart and Norris. Should we go over these and kind of like assume, basically not assume all the viewers know? Yeah, I would yeah. say let's not do that all up front. Okay, but like when we, we yeah, when, you know, when we talk about the Hart or the Richard, let's explain like so. Explain the Richard is the you know most points. Yeah, well that would be the Hart Ross or the Rocket Richard is most goals. Correct. Uh, okay, so we'll start out with the heart, which is the NHL's MVP award. I think we all you mean the Connor Mc... McDavid award. Yeah, yeah, McDavid's going to win it. Um, so I kind of went with the runners up. I think yeah, McDavid is minus for the heart. Uh, for betting odds, yes. that's so funny. So this is really just the discussion about if something goes wrong with McDavid. Yeah, who else could win it? Drysaitel. Yeah, <laughs> I think Jack Hughes could get it if McDavid. I, that was one I had too. Like voter fatigue is a very real thing. It's only been Edmonton Oilers guys for the last five years. I think either of those guys, Jack Hughes for one, is the big one for me. Like they love their centers yeah. for the Hart Trophy. If Jersey has another breakthrough, push through season, the, a, the writers love their narratives. He's a Jewish American hero. If we do keep that in for reference, I I am Jewish. <laughs> Um, I look. I, I appreciate the Hughes brothers being Jewish Americans who play hockey. I, just from a cultural standpoint, I like they have a shared background. And from a fan standpoint, Jack, I, he's just fun to watch. Like, there's not a single part of his game that I don't enjoy. Plus, his mom went on the on us. Man, I so do you remember a couple years back where they had their home opener against Chicago and he had that crazy overtime goal? Yeah, I was sitting behind the net. Oh, that's nice. brutal. It was that. back when I lived up there, sitting behind the net, and I was like, honestly, like, I, I we got a point. I can't be mad at that. Fair guy. enough. Another one I have for my heart trophy is Austin Matthews. It's no secret the media loves Toronto. They love that market. He also happens to play a big role for that team. That team has a big year, especially after weird offseason they did. Again, the voters love their narratives. Yeah. That could be a thing. He's very good. I'm going to ask this question just because it almost never happens. Do you guys see any scenario where a non-forward wins the Hart Trophy this year? For context, the last goalie to win the um, Hart was Carey Price in 2015. Yeah. The last defenseman was Chris Pronger sometime in the 90s. So I was going to say, never goes if to Bob puts together a regular season 
that is equivalent of the first three rounds of the playoffs, and he does that for the entire season, maybe. That'll also shatter his knees, too. He will never walk again. My feeling is, like, Sorokin is good, but do I see the Islanders doing anything of note where that will get him that trophy? No. No. Um, the, the two other goalies I really see as having that potential just to take over and like propel the team to the top of the standings are Tampa and Vasilevsky and New York and Shostakovich. But those teams are good enough where if they get that good, people won't just be like, that goalie's making them do that. Yeah, the, the other thing I would say but is... Like to, to like Boston last year. Like, exactly. Yeah. If Olmark has that year or doesn't have that year, do they win as many games as they do? No. But at the they same still time, run away with a one seed. Yeah, but at the same time, they have Bergeron and Marchand <coughs> and you know McAvoy and Pasternak. It's like, okay, you could have their goaltending be average, and they'd still be a great team. So nobody's going to give uh, hard knobs to all. Of them. I, I would say if going to non forwards that have a chance, and this is albeit very, very, very minuscule, uh, if Carlson repeats his hundred point performance. And anyone not named Sid or Malkin uh, doesn't have another, you know, career high year. And Pittsburgh somehow like finishes the top of the Metro. I could see Carlson doing that. I could see McCarr doing it. Like yeah. again, when I say yeah. I could see, it's very much like in a half a percent where like everything right. that needs to go right for that player as well as wrong for other players. Yeah, it's like hitting a, a five bet parlay. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah. But if McCarr played a big enough role, especially with the Landis Cog injury, I could see yep. McCarr getting some nods for it. But but I but I think again, if looking at Carlson, he's going to be competing against Sid on his own team. He's going to yep. be competing against Malkin on his own team. McCarr's got McKinnon. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to next is the Art Ross, which is also the McDavid Award. Yeah, yeah it's just whoever scores the most points. Um, I, I had, like, look, if McDavid gets hurt, maybe McKinnon gets it. But I, I think it would be redundant if we just talked about, like, hey, who do you think you know going to score the most points this year? Apart from it, it'll be Dreisaitl, McKinnon, Kucherov. It'll be those guys. And yeah, every, everyone in my mind you just listed. So there's – yeah, yeah. all those guys are good at points. That's all the insight I have. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I would advise if anybody's listening and that's surprising to you, just check last year's point totals, look at the top ten guys, and just – Point to one apart from McData that you think will run up the runner up and yep. run with that. Um, Rocket Richard is goal scorer. Yeah, top goals. Also, the the Connor McDavid McDavid trifecta. Yeah. That one there's been a little bit more variance on over the past couple of years. Well, Matthews did still, win it. Yeah, Matthews has won it once. Pasternak's won it recently too. Um, I, I said one dark horse is Jason Robinson. Like, let's say he takes another step, becomes a. 50 plus goal guy that, you know. Uh, Rantanen is another one. Rantanen. Yeah. Uh, Tage Thompson. Yeah. That's another. I also think one that's worth mentioning, why I don't actively think this will happen. I could totally see Ovi having a, and I took that personally type year and just like popping off for 60 goals. Being mad that they missed the playoffs. Exactly. Being <laughs> mad they missed the playoffs. Being mad he's kind of getting written off as he gets older yeah. to pop off for 60 goals while also begging people not to look at his goals against. Yeah, but, and, and 40 will be from the point on the power play. Yeah, literally. <laughs> if you're a Caps fan and you miss the playoffs, right, but Ovi rips 60 this year, are you happy? Yes. 
Yeah, I feel like you have to be. Yeah, because I, I feel like at this point, if you've been a Caps fan for a while, you got your cup in 2018. Uh, this is Ovi catching uh, Gretzky. Uh, and that's really, yeah, you'd like to make the playoffs. You'd like to make another deep run. But realistically, this is just Ovi catching Gretzky. Also, you look at how that operate, or how that organization has operated since their cup. Like, they very clearly aren't trying to put, I want to say they're not trying to put together the most cup competitive team, but they. No. Ovi is their goal. Ovi yeah. is there very clearly trying to get him to OBJ or get him to Gretzky's record at yep. this point. So, yeah. Um, Calder, rookie of the year. Bedard. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to say Bedard because, well, I'm not a Blackhawks fan. I own a Bedard jersey already. Um, Did you buy it before the draft? So, I bought mine after the draft. My okay. mom's birthday was like a week after the draft. So I got it customized before the draft, and I was like, if he changes his number, like I'm just going to tell my mom, like I can book it. It's not mine. If you want me to get it stripped and restitched, I'll do it. Uh, and thankfully, he didn't. Um, I, I was going to say this is probably another one where Bedard's the obvious favorite. So runner yeah. up, I said Luke Hughes. I mean, yeah, he's older. He's going to be on a good team. I can see it being like the same, not to the same effect, but with what happened to Penny Panarin, where it's like, granted, McDavid was hurt that year, but it's like player steps on the team that has competed in the playoffs. Player is good because he plays with really good players. Player has giant point totals. Player wins the Calder. Luke Hughes could also get a nom the same way Gostas Bear got a nom in that same Calder race, because don't forget Shane Gostas Bear, Hurricanes legend, was a Calder nominee in 2015. And that was just because he literally put up a crap ton of points as a rookie defenseman. Um, so if Luke Hughes does something similar, goes in there and puts up 40, 50 points as a rookie defenseman, Bedard only has 60 points on an awful Chicago team, then that might be what pushes it over the edge. Um, Remember that one year where it was, I think it was like Haskinen, Nakar, and Hughes? It was all defensive. Yeah, that was a good year. That was a fun year. Yeah. Uh, two other names I wanted to throw out for Calder. Um, I think Devin Levi with the Sabres yep. is a good option. He's looked great with them. This will be his first true rookie season. He has looked the part up to this. And if if he gets Buffalo into a playoff spot, even if he's not their starter, if he plays a significant number of games and has enough wins, he will get enough noise for it. And then another name I just thought was could make some noise, but is much more of a dark horse candidate, uh, Logan Cooley with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, literally decommitted from, I want to say, the University of Minnesota to sign his contract, but has the NCAA experience. I want to say he's like 6'6", like has that grown man build, is stepping into a team where there's a spot. And again, he's got narrative on his side. If the Coyotes take a step forward and he has a big year, that voters will be all over that. So I think it's Bedard's to lose. All that being said, biggest Chicago Blackhawks hater in the world. I have to admit, Connor Bedard is just downright generational it's absolutely his to lose well uh, maybe fentilly maybe maybe yeah even if columbus is bad he'll probably play. he'll make noise he'll yeah. play with line a and gaudreau and yeah those yeah. guys are good uh he'll, especially i would i would argue those are better winger support than what the darts can have oh absolutely i wouldn't argue i just agree yeah. um and a if you have him as your power play um right. quarterback that's Anybody, I Seth Jones, like the strength of his game is quarterback and power play, but Zach Lewinsky is uh, not defense. No, he, he doesn't play defense. Watch a Blackhawks game. Uh, but Lewinsky is uh, what I would like to call a good defenseman, and I would say his strength is also uh, quarterback and the power play. Yeah. 
Uh, Vezina, and for those who don't know, Vezina is the award for the best goalie. I had uh, Sorokin. I, and this is plus me thinking like, oh, like what scenario will play out where he is the main? I think he's the best goalie in the league. Yeah. Um, Shostarkin. Yeah. Yeah, him and Vassy have gotten there, yeah. so I'm just thinking, like, voter of AT, it'll be Sorokin unless somebody else gets goes on a heater. Saros, I mean, so. so my thing with Sorokin is, I agree with what you said, he's the best goalie in the league, full stop. When it comes to the voter awards, especially the Vezina, if your team doesn't have a great season, they won't give it to you. Right. And I could see the Islanders having a bad enough season that... It just outright even affects his stats to the point that it's like, yeah, you have respectable stats, but we can't give it to you based on respectable. Yeah, and if Dallas wins the Central and Ottinger plays out of his mind again, I could see him also taking it. Yeah, I was going to say Ottinger's going to run around, especially, like you said, if Dallas wins the division. I, I think he's good and improving, and that Dallas team popped a lot of solid. Yeah. Two names I have to look out for, too, and this is more so me just trying to think about possible... I keep saying this, but voters love their narratives, trying to think about that angle. We talked earlier during the Central Division preview about how similar the situations of Nashville and Winnipeg are. And you know, both teams have elite goaltending in UC Soros and Connor Hellebuck, respectively. If either team doesn't fall off, makes the playoffs, and either of those goalies have a good year, they'll get consideration just under the narrative of they led a dying team into a playoff spot. Yeah. Um, moving forward, Norris is for the best defenseman in the league. But I'm going to go more off narratives here, and I'm going to go ahead and pick Haskinen. I think if Dallas wins that division, you can see a lot of Dallas players get awards. Likewise, I think with Jersey, if they go on a run and win that division or get the President's Trophy, I think you can see a lot of Dallas players get awards. Um, but I think Haskinen's an underrated D-man. I, I think, would I put him above Yossi, Makar, Hedman, or Adam Fox? No. Would I put him about every, above every other defenseman in the league? Yeah. I'd put him above a couple of the guys you listed, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I, for me, Norris is Makar. Yeah, he's healthy again. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's his to lose. Makar's gotten one, right? Yeah. Yeah, he has. Yeah. He, he had one, I think, the year the Avs won. Yeah, he, yes. he, I, he, he won the Norris, yeah, not last year, but the year before. Yeah. So. Um, One name I have down, so I think the two names y'all have thrown out there are the two front runners, and I don't think it's particularly close. One name I have kind of out there is Charlie McAvoy. He yeah. is a top five defenseman in the league, just full stop. But again, the league loves their narratives, and if you know this struggling kind of falling Boston team has themselves propped up by Charlie McAvoy, voters will love that. Conversely, if Buffalo makes it and Darlene's a big part yeah. of that, then yeah. you got to put his name there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think Darlene could also be a dark horse pick. Too. Yep. Yeah. It, which is ironic because the Norris is the trophy that's often given to the defenseman that plays the best offense. Right. Uh, the Selkie is the trophy given to the forward that plays the best defense. It's a nice lead in. Nice lead in. Yeah. Now, now, yeah. I, I, I thought about that one for weeks. Um, Look, Bergeron retired, so it can go to so many guys. Um, I picked Nico Heischer. Just, again, I think if the Devils go on the heater, that I think they'll go on, and he's the captain of that team, and he's the one guy actually playing defense, um, I think he could win. Yeah, I, Stone's another one. Uh, Stone's a good one. My homer pick is Ajo. 
I have Aho on my list too, especially the way the Selkie gets voted on and Aho's game. I could absolutely see him getting some noise for that too. Yeah. yeah. I think Barkov's a good one too. Barkov yeah. for years was seen as Bergeron light, so he might just punch through and go on a run of three now that Bergeron's one. Yeah. I have Barkov as my runner up. I just think because of, he got it two years ago, uh, there's a good chance voters are looking elsewhere. And unless the Panthers win that division, I think they may be like, okay, who won the Metro? Who won the. I, I can easily see it being any of those guys. Um, I, I and I say this as a Canes fan. I, I would love if Ajo's defensive game got more attention. Like seeing yeah. him on the penalty kill, seeing him create turnovers, and then transition that to offense is you know, remind, reminds me of a guy like Jonathan Hayes almost. Yeah, him camping out at the top of the zone uh, on the power play or on the penalty kill, and just you know sniping pucks and taking it away to or shorthandy. It's beautiful. One very like low chance dark horse pick I wanted to mention, and I will fully admit this is a homer pick. I think Dylan Larkin could make some noise, get some votes for that award too. He's been a solid two or solid two way center his entire career. Uh, had great defensive zone um, metrics and eye test plays. Red Wings adjusted, I should say. Um, yeah, I, I think the Red Wings would definitely have to make the playoffs. Yeah, that, and everybody in front of him would have to have very mid years, and he would have to have a career year. Yeah, absolutely. But I think all of that could happen. Detroit's yeah. looking to take a step forward, and also, again, yeah. voters vote on narrative, so I think he could be a very, very dark horse pick for one. Do you, do you think his uh, stretchy pants sponsorship would uh, factor into that? I think it would. Yeah, I think the voters would very much like that. Uh, for those who don't know, there there is a infamous commercial in Red Wings land that I also fell across where Dylan Larkin is a sponsor for these uh, stretchy pants. And He's actually an endorsee. It's the company that sponsors him. Well then, okay. Uh, moving forward then from the stretchy pants, uh, Jack Adams goes to the best coach. This literally is that your team, your team wasn't, your team was supposed to suck but didn't award, so... Not always. Sometimes it's like, you know... It's an anomaly when it's not, though, is the thing that, like... I think when it's not, it's like, your team's been a wagon and you just don't have one, so here you go. Literally, yeah. for context, John Cooper of the Tampa Bay Lightning, also the longest-tenured coach in the NHL right now, does not have a Jack Adams. Really? Like, yeah, he does not have one. Do you know who does have one? Brendan Moore. He does, very deservedly so. I was going to say uh, Lindy Ruff of the New Jersey Devils. Yep. Well, so Lindy Ruff's been coaching since the original six period, so. Yeah. It's I, like Barry Trotz got one in 2018-19 with the Islanders. Gallant got one in, like, Vegas's first year. Yep. Tortorella got one in 16-17 with the Jackets. Sutter got it last year with the Flames. Last year or the year before? Year before. So. I was going to say, he got the Jack Adams last year. Which I think was Montgomery last year. Yeah, Montgomery's the reigning one. Yeah. yeah. If last year they had given the uh, Jack Adams to Golan, not Golan, sorry, uh, Daryl Sutter, Sutter I, I think that that may have just been a big joke amongst all the writers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it'll be Lindy that they would have just been trolling Calgary at that point. Yeah. I, I think Lindy Ruff would have gotten it last year if not for Boston just being historically good and. I think if they're as good as I think they'll be this year, he gets it. Maybe it'll be like a Granado type. It'll be a guy who's like coaching a breakthrough team. They finally get in, and maybe to Barrett yeah. and uh, Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, if Calgary bounces back, I wouldn't rule out Pusco. Now, do I think they're going to bounce back to the effect that he gets the award? No, but let's say they get a divisional seed, they pop LA and then um, Seattle. 
I think it's a possibility. Do I think it happens? No, but I think it's a possibility. Okay, so then we have Jim Gregory, which is the GM of the year. I have basically, if Buffalo makes the playoffs, I think Kevin Adams could get it. Um, so the GM award is the only one that is not voted on by the media. It's not other GMs. Yeah. It's other GMs, and it's only the only candidates are the last four in the conference finals. Oh, really? Yes. So, but but in order for Buffalo to win it, they would have to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. Well. Spoiler alert for my Eastern Conference Finals. No, I'm joking. I don't, <laughs> I don't have Buffalo in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, who, who won it last year? I want to say it was Florida. And that would make the most sense, given, given the amount of turnover. I think it was Vegas won it. Uh, it was Jim Nill in 2023 of Dallas Stars. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. Which, I mean, he literally rebuilt his entire team on the fly in the 2017 draft. Like... Incredible. Well, yeah, your first three picks were uh, Robo, Heiskanen, Robertson, Andrew were yeah. literally their first three picks. AJ, how do you feel if Ken Holland won the award? I'd be very surprised. Like, I don't think he's done anything at Edmonton to warrant it. Um, yeah, like, I think if Vegas repeated, they could easily get it. I think. I, I think Waddell deems. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Don could get some recognition yeah. there, too. Especially, like, you know, if the Canes push through and make the Stanley Cup final this year. Yeah. Uh, the last award we have is the Jennings, which is just given to the team that lets up the least goals. I'm going to say the Canes. Yeah. I had shocker. I said probably yeah. the Canes or Vegas, maybe Dallas. Yeah. Canes, Vegas, Dallas. I also want to circle back to the GM of the year once. I just thought of one that could be good. Ron Francis with Seattle, if they go on a run yeah. and expand. Like, we, we've seen with Vegas, anytime an expansion team does yeah. anything. They're quick to roll out the awards, so yeah. If they make it to the Western Conference Finals, yeah, I can see that. I just don't think they will. Yeah, same here. No, like throwing out dark horse picks for the sake of discussion. Yeah, yeah. all respect to it. Like Seattle, like look, I, I love the Kraken. They're a good team. My cousin lives in Seattle. I've been to Comet Pledge. It's a great arena. I like how quickly that team's gotten good. Um, I like a lot of the players on the team, but they play in the West and they do a run and gun style of play. It, you want better teams in the West, I'll show you and do the same thing. I'll show you Edmonton. I'll show you LA. I'll show you Colorado. Right. If you want a better defensive team, I'll show you Dallas. I'll show you Vegas. Yeah. So I have one absolutely like ridiculous hypothetical. Just say Columbus goes on a tear, somehow makes it to the conference finals. After the offseason saga they had, is there any way Yarmo gets it at all? Uh, going back to your your narrative thing, yes. Yeah. He has to get it if that happens. Well, if Columbus raises their game and plays it up, plays into the finals versus everyone else taking like a massive step back and Columbus getting right. just by, you know, sucking by the first. entire NHL turning into the AHL. Right. Yeah, and, and Fitzgerald with the with the Devils. You, yeah, you got to him. You got to yeah. him in there. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if the Devils do make the conference and, final, which I don't think will happen, no. um, I think that either of New York or Carolina plays a defensive game good enough that you break up uh, yeah. New Jersey's run-and-gun sort of thing. Um, but if it does happen, like, with that rebuild the team's been through, I think he has to get it. Yeah, and maybe even some consideration for Drury if they make it to the – if the Rangers make it to the uh, ECF. Yeah, although they did two years ago. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I I don't keep up with the Jim Gregory that much, but – and by that much I mean at all, but – um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he already had one. 
You don't lose sleep over the Jim Gregory GM of the Year award. As, as somebody who doesn't work in hockey, no. Yeah, there, there's probably some listeners out of the five that we have now uh, that are like, I didn't even realize there was a GM of the Year award. Well, today they learned. Yeah. All right, so I, I think that's a good, a good thing for like NHL predictions now. If we haven't lost the uh, now, I think we may be up to six Canes fans tuning in. We haven't lost them. I, I think we should maybe get to the sort of Canes predictions. Yeah. Uh, so I think team MVP. I think Aho. It's Aho's to lose. Yeah. Yeah, I said maybe Burns goes on a heater and just see how valuable he is to that power play a second year in a row. Maybe him. But I don't even think Burns would be the defenseman to do it. I think you give it to Slavin for doing like all the things that Slavin does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stahl is another one. I mean, yeah, he doesn't put up the points, but he is centering the line that just embodies the Kane style of just shot suppression, four check. Beat the crap out of you on the boards, and that's stall. So yeah. I could see him being quote unquote the MVP just because. Yeah, and I will say outside chance, like we saw the goal scoring pace Andre Sveshnikov had during the first half of last season. If he does that over a full season, which I don't think he will, I love Sveshnikov, but I think one of my big issues with this game is he's a little bit inconsistent. But if you were to sustain that over a whole year and put up 50, like, you have to say it's him. Yeah, Sveshnikov's absolutely the best player on this team when, when he on. wants to be, yeah. when he's on. That's just, that's the catch of it all. It, Andre, if you ever do come across this, I just want you to know we all love you, and we want you to put up 50. Yeah, yeah. and also, Andre, we're not assuming that you're just simply choosing not to put up 50, yeah. though. We're definitely oversimplifying. Yeah, I, I, the just, like, reading some of the fan posts on all the various forums for fan posts like Andre gets a lot of you know I think unnecessary hatred because and hatred is probably a little strong word but yeah he does get some flack for you know quote unquote disappearing but he doesn't disappear it's just whenever Svetch is disappearing I feel like other teams are rotating their defense toward him right and I think up until hopefully this year the Canes have not had the players to make them pay for doing so yeah, now Michael Bunting can just go and just like completely stir some stuff up in yes. the corner. Yeah. Uh, breakout player, I, I don't think it would be any surprise my picks Jarvis. I, I would be surprised if you guys had anybody, Buckman or a couple other guys. Kachekov would be the only one I would yeah, probably put a Buckman. I actually have a different guy than both of you. I have Marty Natchez. You think he gets 40 goals this year? I think he might be able to. You look at kind of where guys are hitting their athletic prime and all of that. And Natchez is getting right within that age. Like, you look at... It's also a contract year like, for Natchez. Also a contract year, but Natchez is turning the same age Tage Thompson did last year before he did what he did. It's not to say I expect Natchez to turn into Tage Thompson. If Natchez turns into Tage Thompson, you can see me doing cartwheels all up and down Charlotte Uptown. We will have that on video if that happens. Hey, you can do I cannot, no, so... You'd have to learn. I would have to learn, yeah. So literally, would teach you how to do that? YouTube tutorials... Would you not go to Marty Natchez for guidance there? He's busy scoring 50 goals, apparently. 40, 50 goals. I can't bother him, but you look at his play style, where he's coming into his athletic prime, and just the way players (coughs) develop and progress, I think he could have a breakout year for this team. I I would not be mad at at any of those. I I did see a funny Natchez interview. I think it was with uh, OBs and Diglio, and... The, the funny part of it was they, they talked to him about the whole Eric Kyle Kane self-bracelet thing, and he's like, eh. 
like, ah, yeah, if, if, yeah, if you want to wear that, you can. I don't, I don't really care. I, I get that. Like, if I found out someone I worked a job with two years ago right. was, like, actively still, like, talking smack about that company, I'd, I'd laugh about it, if anything. Like, bro, move on. Yeah, yeah. leave a glass door review and move on. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think uh, you saw him last year, like, break out. And he, in that same interview, he did talk about how he worked with a sports psychologist to, like, kind of, like, narrow his game in. I think that had an absolute impact. The one trepidation I have with him is you saw, uh, especially in the playoffs, but towards the tail end of the year, is his production kind of tail off. I think he does. He's not a look, I, I love Natchez and Marty if you're listening. You're a great player. Uh, he, he's not a very physical player. He's a playmaker. He's a sniper. He's offense first. I think he needs to have a guy like a Svechnikov or a KK on his line. Or Bunting. Or a Bunting who can be that guy. Um, and I think when Svechnikov went down and he wasn't on his line, and then especially in the playoffs when they switched the lines up and he was playing with KK, I think that hurt his game a little bit. Yeah, I, but I do think Natchez has the ability to play a heavier game than he does. I also do think it's worth mentioning for Natchez, too, that this season was only his second 82-game NHL yeah. season with all the weird COVID stuff we had going on. Some of that trailing off you saw at the end could just be him still ramping up to that. Yeah, and he also had the NHL concussion uh, uh, coming out of the, the bubble. Yep. Um, going into his, like, you know, that first 80, full 82-game season. Yeah, because he, um, he didn't miss a lot of time. He played 53 out of 56 in 2020, 2021, and then in 21-22, he played 78 out of 82. Yeah. So. Still coming back from a concussion, that's not a day and night thing, as right. anyone who's had a concussion will tell you. Yep. Yeah. I, I did have one dark horse for the breakout player, and this is more me just wanting to say it. The uh, or another guy actually had a Kakaniani. I, I I know we're very split on him, and my my opinion on Kakaniani is good middle six center, um, good defensive game. I really liked second half of last year how he stepped up his offensive game. I thought you saw him a lot more on the power play playing that yeah. front presence deflecting pucks. Um, I think the drawback of this game is he's a more defensive player, right? Like if he's your first line center, you're probably freaking out about your center depth. Um, you can debate if he's a good second line guy. I think he has potential to be a 60, 70 point guy. I think he has potential to have a stat line be 15.5. I'm not sure if that offensive potential is there, and that's only just because you rarely see guys just discover that. Like yeah. Tate Thompson doing what he did was just such an anomaly. That, that comment's more driven that he might play a full season with right. a special comment. Also, a thing that I think will help with KK a lot is that he's fantastic on the two-way part of the game. Everything I just said about Natius entering his athletic prime also applies to KK yep. with him being a year younger. So I could absolutely see KK just taking off as an absolute two-way stud, shutdown guy, um, especially like getting bigger, getting stronger, you can win more board battles, win so more puck battles that way. My hot take for this podcast is KK will win a Selkie before he retires. I don't even think there's a zero chance that I think there's a long odds of that, but I don't guy disagree like with you. Yeah. Like Chris Draper literally won one back in the 90s. Like, it's not, I won't say it's not a hard award to win, but out of probably all the main, like, skater awards. How many selfies do you have done? <laughs> exactly, yeah, but it's probably the one where you can be not a superstar and still have a chance of winning it out of all the main performance-based skater awards. Yeah, I also have uh, my favorite nickname on the team, and I'm hoping that all of our listeners, all I think maybe seven of you at this point, 
um, latch onto this name, which is uh, Jack Jury, the Muffin Man. He lives on Jury Lane. I, I mean, look, I, I'll get into this later. I think there's some potential to get top six, top six linger minutes. I, potential. Um, and I hope he performs. I've seen very little of this game so far. I don't have a lot of hope, but if he somehow becomes a 20-goal guy, I think that helps the team, but that, that's a pipe dream. Yeah, the, the problem with Drury is, uh, and it's holding true this season as well, he does not play well in preseason. Because everybody expected him to take a step forward next year. In the preseason, he didn't. Uh, but now when he got caught up later in the season, yeah. But I, I think he's going to be one of those slow starters that, you know, that's going to hold him back from, you know, Getting up on that fourth line center immediately. Drury's in such like a weird position as a prospect because, like, for context, he was taken in 2018. So that's the Sveshnikov draft. So he's same age as um, uh, Kakaniemi and Sveshnikov. Has been actively passed by Seth Jarvis. Will probably get passed by Bradley Mado when he gets there. So it's such a weird debate to be in. That he's also just not good enough to knock off some of the forwards in front of him. Just like, what do you do with him? Yeah, to, to be honest, I just wanted to say nothing. Also fair, too. Um, best acquisition, I, I, you can go a couple ways here. I'd bunt in, like, you saw how impactful Nason was as an AHL guy coming up and a career AHL guy, AHL guy coming up and just being a net front guy in the yep. power play. Look, I, I think bunting will benefit from playing with Sebastian Ajo. That's not to say I think that benefit will be greater than playing with Mitch Marner and... Uh, Austin Matthews, I don't think it will be. But I, I think he can be a solid first-line guy just to provide that toughness. When you have your wings as Seth Jarvis and Tavo Teravainen, and again, like Seth, Tavo, if you were listening, you're two of my favorite players on the team. But like, if you have two playmaking, like kind of like B-wingers, and not really a guy who's like a rough-him-up net-front guy, that's and Ajo is a nifty playmaking guy, too. Like, having a guy, like, when Sveshnikov is on that line, for example, who's a hard hitter, roughs him up, can play kind of like a power forward style of game. Like, I think that's impactful. I think bumping will have impact there. And I honestly think he'll be very good at power play. Um, I think just being an experienced net front guy who's played on a good power play before, I think, will help change that. Yeah, I agree on everything you said. Um, especially I want to touch on... He'll probably drop off a little bit just yeah, not having not a Matthew. Point guy. Yeah, if you anyone out there, if you are expecting his points to stay the same, don't. You're letting yourself be ready to be disappointed, so just stop. I think he'll be a great middle six addition to this team, especially on the penalty kill and on the net front, like you said. Yeah, I, I had him at 35 points, yeah. and I had him having more goals and assists. Another acquisition I really liked was um, Dmitry Orlov one, and that's literally just... Being able to have one of Orlov, Shea, or Pesci just forced onto the third pairing just by default, one of the best problems to have. It's like the fact that we're going to have maybe one of the best third pairing in the league is awesome. So, yeah. So, for me, it's <clears throat> I'm going to go with uh, re signing Anderson and Ranta for $4.9 million versus the, uh, what was it? Uh, Anderson was at 4.5, so 6.5. Saving $1.6 million and bringing back your goalie tandem. I mean... That's yeah, pretty good. Especially really count as a new acquisition, though. Well, they're free agents. That's fair. But you'd pick them over... Uh, 
uh, Caleb Jones? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I would too. I remember a little side thing. I remember like cackling when Chicago acquired Caleb Jones originally because that was before they acquired Seth and just like the whole premise of like team acquires Guy's brother out of hopes of luring him there was the most like NHL thing I've yeah. ever seen. We still have a, we still have Colton Bach on the roster. Kirby Jones brother. Oh my god. That, that, that should tell you how good of a draft pick he was. And look, like he's played a lot better in Montreal, but he didn't work out in Chicago. Uh, so if I have to pick a guy that wasn't on the team last year that is on the team this year, I'm going to go with Orlov. Yeah, I, I think you could say TDA, but that almost seems like a weird thing. Like Orlov's better. Yeah, Orlov's yeah, I also better. don't think he's impactful in the same way the other two are. Yeah, he's, he's going to be, he's basically like, oh, we need Brent Burns for our second power play. How about we have a guy that's player in a power play before? Yeah. Shane Goss to spare light. Yeah. Honestly, I will say, like, I liked Ghost a lot when he was on the team last year, like, he was good on the power play. Granted, it was very up and down, but I yeah. expected him to be a defensive liability, and he actually played some good defense yeah. at times. That's why Tony D'Angelo is Shane Goss to spare light, and Shane Goss to spare is just Brent Burns light. Yeah. Brent Burns is Bobby Orr light. Bobby Orr is Zach Bogosian light. It all goes on. All right. Points leader, goals leader. I had Aho for both. Both. What do you guys think there? Yeah. Aho. I have... Um, Aho for points, definitely. I think Sveshnikov could be a dark horse goal pick. Like we were saying earlier, he's the best player on this team when he's on. Yeah. Maybe this is the year he finally puts it together on how to be on more often. Also, maybe bringing in more forward talent up front, as well as more of our forward talent graduating naturally, get some of that spotlight off of him to open things up more for him. So I think if Svetch is playing on KK's line for 90% of the year, uh, I think he could get the goals, but I also could see uh, him and Nate just running away with goals. And, like, you know, KK ended up with, like, you know, 10 goals, but, like, you know, massive amount of assists. Right. Yeah. I think KK will get more goals just because you saw him, especially for the last year, play a lot better on the power play. And I, the one thing I will note with this game is look at him two years ago versus last year. Oh, yeah. Like, how much better his skating game got. Yeah. That, like, I, I, I could two years ago count the number of times, or I could not count the number of times in a game that KK fell down on my fingers. Right. Now I can't. But I, so the, I, I think the system that Rod runs is. The centers have an excessive amount of defensive responsibility, uh, and they almost become power, uh, like point guards in basketball. So, like the wingers are going to be the ones getting the goals, but the centers are going to be the ones getting the assist. Usually, because the centers also have that defensive responsibility more so than the wingers. So that's why I say if uh, Svech. And Natchez are playing on the same line as KK. KK could have a bunch of assists, and you know we're we're looking at you know two thirty five to forty goal scorers on the wings. Also, it's just not in KK's game to shoot first. Like, no. So if you have either one of those guys on his wing, he's going to look for them, which more is often than he's going to shoot, which is what he should be doing because they're both better shooters than him. Which is really odd, why? Because Teravainen is known for being a pass first, shoot second, uh, forward. But the line with, you know, uh, Turbo, KK, and Natchez last year was, you know, that was one of the better scoring lines. Yeah, that was, 
wasn't one of the better point total lines, but it was one of the better scoring lines. Yeah, I, I think the Svetch, KK, and Natchez line, I think, especially in the beginning of the year, like, the underlying numbers for that line last year were through the roof. KK wasn't getting the points, but he was getting, like, the tertiary assist because, you know, they would, you know, he'd pass back to a defenseman, right. through the winger, over to the other winger, and all of a sudden he had a backdoor chance. Yeah, it was kind of part of the play to generate yeah. the chance. There's a lot of KK's defense creating the turnover yes. that drove the play. Yep. Which continued throughout the year. I, I do think he'll hit the 20 goal mark this year, though. I think both him and Jarvis do. Because I think they're, uh, I think we're good at Jarvis at 12 or 17 last year, and then uh, KK at 18, like both the young players, I think they're absolutely. Yeah, I, score a few more goals. Yeah, it's objectively it, true to say KK is the best four checker on this team, and it's not close, right? Man, no, 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 no. Um, four checking Jake, it's offense in the defensive zone, so basically yeah. not letting them break out as easily, forcing turnovers in the offensive zone, stuff like that. Winning board battles. I know. Oh, oh, I was okay. being sarcastic. Okay. I'm basically outing myself as a dumb hockey fan. Um, I still want to say Stahl, because Stahl's Stahl is slower than KK, but he is tenacious on a four-check. That's going to be a torch pass, though. I feel like as KK just gets stronger, oh, yeah. Stahl gets older. Yeah, KK is the... I know Rod doesn't like the the normal line information, but KK is the future third-line center. He's going to yeah, be... He's going to, he's going to fall into that Stahl spot and run with it. That's yeah, why. Absolutely. That's why I think he's getting the Selkie before he retires. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the things like you look at kind of how Carolina's like forwards. You have a lot of those like nifty pass first forwards. I think if you want to talk about a guy who's like a true four checker who will go and play those four battles and go and like hit guys and then like dominant possession numbers, it's KK. Yeah. I mean, the, the stats do back it up. Yeah. So. Um, all right, best goalie. I had Anderson. I think he's got one more year being the best goalie. I think you can kind of debate it, but he had a weak regular season, but he was hurt for most of it. It's coming off like a the MCL spring. Yeah, and I think when it came playoff time, he saw him play really well. So yeah. I think having an offseason arrest uh, where he's not hurt, do I think he's going to stay healthy? No, but I think he's the best goalie. Yeah. I, him or Cake or PK? Kochekov? Um, just because, like, in the preseason, Kochetkov looked a little calmer. He's not the raw Russian goalie where, you know, like, he's made some sick saves. Like, I'm thinking of the one where he was on the opposite side of the net and put the paddle down and blocked a, blocked a shot last year. Um, so if he is – he's calmed his game down and has gotten his positioning better and – has tightened up his glove side. I could see KK, or not KK, Kachekov, uh moving into that better goalie. Uh, now, Anderson is just, he's calm. He's a solid middle yeah. goalie. Everybody knows what he is, but he plays with Carolina. Yeah, he, he's the perfect goalie for Carolina system. Yeah, you're not going to spend too much money on him, but he's not going to do anything stupid. So I have Kachekov. Um before I get into the, it seems like the debates Kachekov versus um, Freddie. I think yeah. we don't, Ron's a good enough backup, but nothing the more than that. 2015 Stanley Cup champion, Antti Ranta. Uh, excuse me, 2015 Stanley Cup Is his champion, name on the Ante cup, Ante though? Yeah. Who was not, whose name's not on the cup? What do you mean? There's somebody that, that played on Chicago that's not on that cup. 
Uh, I don't think it was any of the goalies because Ronta got the lion's share of the work in the regular season, and then Darling got the lion's share of the work during the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I, I know his timing. I, I really want him to do well in Carolina. Uh, but so as I was uh, kind of saying with um, Kachetkov, I think he, with where his age is at, he needs to take the starting role in Carolina. If he spends another year in the AHL, I am concerned. On top of that, his stats in the NHL were straight up better last oh, year than his yeah. AHL stats. Combined with that, Freddie Anderson is 33. That is the age where goalies start to fall off hard. And so I just... I think it, all of the kind of stars are aligned for Kachetkov to really just seize the starting job. And honestly, if he doesn't, if he doesn't make it a conversation this year, I am concerned. So, I, I, Kachetkov is, I think his ceiling is good 1A goalie. I think his realistic top is, he's part of a committee. I think he's absolutely a bona fide starter with like where his draft profile was, what he did in Russia. Yeah, but so he's not going. Well, and I think the majority of the teams are going away from this. He's not like a seventy game goalie. I don't think any team. Right. Yeah, no, no one's. Yeah. No one's seventy game goalie anymore. I think he's a 50, 60 game goalie. I can see that. Yeah. And that my thing is for him to get there again. If we're not having a conversation of he needs to be in the NHL by the end of the season, I'm very concerned. Yeah. the The only thing that I could see is <clears throat> from a you know, there's always balance in the business side and the, the results side. If Ronta and Anderson are getting the results and uh, Kachekov is getting playing time on whichever AHL affiliate they're right. sending him to and his underlying numbers still look okay, then I think the gains you're making on the cap space and all that come into play. Uh, now, if he's just absolutely outplaying them, yes, bring him up. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of saying is like, if it's like they're playing well, but he is doing so well in the A that it's still like he needs to be up when we can make this work. But like my thing is if Freddie and Anty are both playing well and he's in the AHL and we're not having conversations, of he needs to be up here next year. Like if he's not dominating the AHL this year, I'm very concerned. So I think he's not will- very concerned. Yeah. I'm just regular concerned. Yeah, I think he will be because I think there's a reason they've signed, re-signed Anderson for two years and, re- and only re-signed Ronco for one. Right. I think the plan is this year lean on Anderson and Ronco again. Get uh, Kachekov as much playing time as he can between the HL and the NHL. And then next year uh, Kachekov comes into that 1B status with Anderson being 1A, you can flip-flop right. those however you want. And then the year after, it's Kachetkov and probably Penance at that point. The, yeah. the goalie they just picked up from Quinnipiac. The guy just got lit up against Tampa last night. Well, it's, it's Tampa. It's Tampa, exactly. It's Tampa, and he was playing, like, the last game he played was the uh, NCAA championship. Oh, my God, yeah, that's a that's a jump, too. So, so I mean... That makes sense. Yeah. Tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the last team he played was the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Oh, yeah, that. I'll also say... Welcome Kocheck- to the show, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Kochekov would definitely be in the NHL right now if we didn't have three goalies that had injuries. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, not even maybe injured history, we just didn't re-sign one of them. Like, I don't think yeah. anyone would have been... If we had just re-signed Freddie, I don't think anyone either in the Canes media or in the national media would be like, wait, they're rolling with that as their tandem, I think. Oh, yeah, I, I'm saying that's why they re-signed Freddie. Right, yeah. Yeah. Because they both had injury history and like, it worked even though guys got hurt last year. Let's That's fair. Do it again. Yeah, and I, and I think 
Kerchetkov had uh, like a nagging injury, not like a uh, you know can't play injury, but yeah. like you know, like and I think that's why like some of his numbers in the AHL might have dipped, yeah, yeah. because you know. Yeah, and look, I think he can get twenty minutes this year. Like, will he have forty? Yeah. No, but could he have twenty? Yeah. He's also the only goalie that almost got a Gordie Howe hat trick in the AHL last year. That's incredible. That is the <laughs> AHL such a wild league. Yeah. He had an assist the game before, and then he had a goal at a fight in the next game. So across a two game span, he did have a you know a split Gordie Howe. Yeah, that's got to be like you got to be like if I had that happen to me, I'm like passing to my teammates every chance I get the puck. Like please like, just go end to end, like do yes. something like. You guys want to? So there's a little thing I put together: point predictions for every player on the team. I think it's a little redundant to talk about how many. Oh, how many points is Jacob Slavin? Yeah, that's not his game, right? Uh, but I think we get 25. Yeah, I think it'd be a fun thing to go through some of the forwards, especially new guys, some of the more offensive defensemen, and just be like over under. I'll give you a number. What do you guys do? So I, I did not go that level, so I will just sit here and agree or disagree. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll basically say the point total when you tell me. Okay. I'll have 80 points, 40 goals, 40 assists. Over. over. You guys will say over? Yep. Over. Uh, At least point per game. Yeah, I, I, I think Aho is going to approach 100, if not go 100 plus. I have been in my mind comfortably in the 90s here. I would agree with AJ, but I think we all like Sebastian Aho and can't say anything bad about his game. Hurricanes podcast are big Sebastian Ajo fans. Shocking. Yeah. Hot Sebastian, day. if you ever listen to this, we'd be more than happy to make some salmon soup with you and hang out. What are you talking about? He's listening to it in his son at the moment. <laughs> uh, for, for reference, he was on a podcast. His favorite food is his Finnish salmon soup. Um, Sveshnikov, 30 goals, 35 assists, 65 points. A higher, wherever. Yes. You agree with me? I agree with you, yeah. yeah. I think that's where it is. I think he's a 67 point guy. I, so I think it's going to be closer to 70. That's then you, you you got 65, so, it, you know, yeah, I'm I, going over. I, I think he could hit 70, but yeah. I, I don't think he's a point for the end guy. I don't think his game's consistent enough, but I think he has the highest ceiling. Yeah, I, I think, like, a 35-35 kind of split for him. Uh, I had Natchez at 30-39-69. Uh, where are you guys landing there? Nice. Um, I'm over. Yeah, I'd say over. Yeah, 70, I, 75 is where I'm putting Natius, I think. I, and uh, if our second line wingers are putting up 70 point totals, I mean, I don't, yeah, that's, that's going to be strong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, we can talk about that later when we get to line combinations. Yeah. Um, Jarvis, who will also be an interesting focus when we get to line combinations. I had a 25, 35, 60. I'm going to say, yeah, I agree with that, but I, I think it's probably going to be 30-30, 20-40. Can I give two answers? Yes. I agree with that one. If they try him as center like they've been doing kind of like training camp, if they flex him to wing, I think he goes over. Because he'll just score more? Yeah. Yes. And he's playing top. That too, yeah. yeah. My, my assumption is he's playing the wing. He's absolutely playing top six. Like if, oh, yeah. After what he's done so far, Seth Jarvis is playing on the wing on a middle six pairing. Something has gone catastrophically wrong. That are catastrophically right. Yeah, yeah. That If somebody's playing well enough to move Jarvis down you know, to the second line, then... Who knows? The Muffin Man can finally take a step. Yeah, that would be... But he's not unseated Naho in one seat, so he's got to play on the wing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I had KK 20, 25, 45. I'm going to go over. Under. 
Do you think like 40 points? 40, 35, yeah. Yeah. I, I, obviously, I'd go a little higher just because of the players I think he's going to play with. Yeah, I, if Svech and Natchez, who I both said are going to be closer to 70 points, I'm, I'm putting KK closer to 50. You, yeah. you have to. Yeah, no, man, the majority of those are going to be assists, but... Yeah, like, I think he's around a 20-year-old guy, but I think the number of assists he gets really depends on who he plays with because that's not his game. His game is defense. Yeah. This may be like me dreaming too big for just this year, but my ideal scenario, Seth Jarvis forces their hand to move KK down to be the third-pairing guy. In which case, that's fantastic because then you have him and Tara Bynum on your third line. Exactly. Or Tavo goes up and they just go full offense for their top six. Tavo is a sneaky good defender. Oh, yeah. But my thing is, like, Jarvis knocks KK down, that opens a wing spot, uh, and then Tavo moves KK down. KK is more of a defensive player. Exactly. Tavo yeah. less of that. Exactly. Um, speaking of Tavo, I had him at 15, 20, 35. Over? Yeah, I think closer to 40. 40, 50. Yeah, that's me thinking mainly that he's going to get third. That basically, he's going to be a stalling mark up most of the year. Yeah, but I – so – I know he's going to be with Stalin Faust. He's not going to be with Martinet. Oh, is he back down on the fourth? Yeah, I think Martinet's going to be on the fourth with Nason uh, and Drury or Reese. Yeah, they they did roll or out Suzuki during, uh, during preseason. They rolled out Martinet on the third, which is why I mentioned that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like and for reference, I am the biggest Terrifying fan amongst our friend group, amongst the podcast, given that. He got drafted by the Blackhawks, and I grew up a Blackhawks fan. Then when I moved to North Carolina, he got traded. I, I would be willing to bet that you're the biggest Turbo fan in Charlotte. Yeah, probably. Maybe I, even Raleigh. Maybe in the fan base. Maybe. Yeah. He, he is my favorite Kane. And look, I love his game. I love – he plays two-way, smart hockey, pass first, good playmaker. I like – Great interview. Great interview, absolutely. I, li- I like everything about his game. Yes. I, I just no. think, gotta love the Finns. <laughs> I yes. just think, um, well, I love the game that he had a hat trick. And granted, KK had like five, six points a game, but became the first start of KK. You can't help but think they're like, yeah, Tavo doesn't want to interview. No. We don't want to interview him. It's just not yeah, it. Absolutely. Especially when the home media is the one who picks the stars anyway. Yes, yeah. so they literally pick who they will get to interview. Uh, you gotta love when they pick Coach Epcot as first star to be interviewed and guy didn't speak of Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a great one. Uh, yeah, like, I think he's gonna have a bounce back year. I just think he's gonna get, you know, tops line minutes, mainly be on the third pairing. And I think for that reason, point totals will be a little down, but I think quality of play will be there. Yeah, if he's playing on the stall line, his point totals will go down, but I still think he does add an offensive element. To that, and yeah. I think uh, Stahl with his puck recovery and Tava with his pass first mentality, Foss uh, is going to benefit from that a lot. Yeah. Also, so many teams in the modern NHL are rolling hybrid third lines where it's not just like right. top two or offense, bottom two or defense. Yeah. Like, so many teams, like Tampa is the best example, are opting for a third line that can do both. Very yeah. That's why I love Carolina on the third line. Yeah. He's yeah. actually the guy who can pass. And even Martin, who I think has a underappreciated game. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't like seeing Martinuk on the first line. Um, Martinuk doesn't like seeing Martinuk on the first line. Right. Well, for, the, for his own quote, yeah, I don't like being on the first line because I'm on the first line. That means somebody's messing up. Right. And, and Rod said that as well. He's like, you know, if 
Yeah, I think the exact quote from Rob was, well, people don't, don't know hockey because if Martin explained on the first line, that means someone else is not doing their job. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't like seeing Martin up up there just because of that, but I do think, you know, and he, I wish he could put it in an 82 game uh, like he did the series against uh, Jersey. That, that'd be a good problem. Yeah. Great problem to have. Ten points in five games? Yeah, I'll take a two-point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last word, I think, is really... Or maybe a couple guys kind of play a similar game that I think are worth talking about is bunting at 2015-35. I'd probably take the over. I agree with you. I don't like how much I'm agreeing with you. I don't have like much radio or how good radio this is producing, but I agree with you. Yeah, we might hang out. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, we might be friends in real life. Who knows? Yeah. I, like I said, I think Bunting is going to be good on the power play. I think um, he's going to provide some good edge to whatever line he plays with. I like that he's a left wing, and you know, in terms of edge and physical play, there is some of the Um So you kind of flip flop those two based on which line needs more goal scoring. You add Spatch, which line kind of does it. You add Bunting, but I don't think he's going to be very much in the way of a playmaker, especially if he plays with Ajo and Jarvis, which is where he's projected, and those two guys are playmakers. And yeah, exactly. Not. Like, if he's if he plays in the top six, he's projected to be the worst player on his line, which that it's a good situation to be in if you're the worst player on a top six line on a cup contender, so that's not indicative of Michael Bunting yeah. or anything, but yeah, so just, yeah. I don't think he puts up the point totals he did in Toronto, just because we're not Toronto. Yeah, I, I do think, though, he, outside of the sandpaper that I know uh, some fans are saying that the Kings needed, he's a better Mason. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. Just camps out in front of the net in the greasy areas and gets the greasy goals, or at least helps get some. So, I. I, I mean, that's the next player I was going to talk about. I just had Mason five goals and five assists back at 15, 10, 25. Similar game. I think yeah. yeah. those totals just depend on how much time does he get on the power play. Yep. Yep. Because, yeah, I see Nason is uh, the net front on power play two, bunting power play one, obviously. And defenseman, I just had two. Or actually, I'll talk about Orlov, too. I had Orlov at 10, 20, and 30, I think. You could have some good offensive production, but again, third pairing guy, you're not going to see numbers anywhere. Yeah. Honestly, I think I was a little high there at 10, 20, 30. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, probably slightly over. Yeah, I had, again, TDA, I think, depends on how much the second unit plays on the power play, but I had him at 10, 30, 40. Yeah. Then Burns, I had 15, 40, 55. That's where he was last year. I can see him taking a step back. But also, you're 38 and playing at that level. I think you just play until you don't want to. Right. Right. Yeah, I would agree. He was at 45 last year. Maybe call it 40 for this year just for the sake of age curves. But I think he had 50-something. Oh, 50-something? Yeah, he was at 55. Yeah, I misheard that. So, go to, still go down by 5, but go from 55 to 50. And I'm sure it's 55. Yeah, I think it was 18 goals, 41 assists, if I remember his stat line. We all just like looking up Brent Burns' point total last year right now? No, mm-hmm. my, my cousin's texting me that a Columbus crew game. So you just doxed your cousin on air. That's cool. Yeah, he doesn't live in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, Burns went... Uh, Burns went 18-43-61 last year, so yeah, right around that 55 number feels good. He's a good player. He might be a Hall of Famer. Big if true. Yeah. He does have a Norris, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he does. You got yeah. him the same side. The only thing he's really yeah. missing is a cup, which you know we can fix for him this year. Does he have the international success? 
Uh, he's Canadian, right? Yeah, he's Canadian, so he should. I don't. Has he played on an Olympic team? He should have worked his way on to a couple of them. As well. The thing is, the last time they did the Olympics with NHL was uh, 2014, and he hadn't broken out yet. I don't mean to push it too far past Brent Burns because we all love Brent Burns. And Brent, if you ever hear this, please work out with us. I know you'll kick her ass, but it'll be a hell of a story. Yeah, he has a. Um, I'm going to give it a shot. Is a 2015 um, gold medal from the World Championship, and then he was also on the 2016 World Cup of Hockey Championship yep. team. Very fun. Let's go, Brent. Sir. All guy without a cup. So, the lines that I saw the last time I saw him, I think it was just on Reddit, was first line was Plumpkin Otto Jarvis, second line was Spatchkin Kinnages, third line was Marty Stall and Turbo, fourth line was Fast Jury, and they were kind of switching between Mason and Lee at the wing. Pairings were Slavin Burns, Pachy Shea, or Lockheed. What I would like to see happen with the Lions is. I think Jarvis can take a leap and slot him at that second center. I know AJ and I have talked about it. Chris, I know we've talked about it a little bit too. Um, I'll let you guys talk about that. But I'd like to see Svechaho and Drury as the first line. Bunting Jarvis and Natchez as the second line. Mason, KK, and Turbo as the third line. And Fostal and Martin as the fourth line. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Basically, the shutdown line still being from last year being kept together. KK having two more offensively oriented guys as his wings. Um, Jarvis having Natchez as a scorer to play with, Bunting as a more physical guy. You put your two best forwards together in Otto and Spechnikov, and then you just have a spot left so you throw a jury there. I'd almost say throw Bunting on that top line with Spechnikov, Otto, just get someone full of like that piss and vinegar element up there just to really shake things up with them. Yeah, because Aho can, I'm sorry, not Aho, but Andre can play either side. Yep. Bunting's pure left wing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it, I would go Bunting, Aho, uh, Fetch. Then, I mean, if you're going to... I'm not saying you have to have Jarvis as a center. Like, if you think you want him at wing and you want KK as a two-seed, like, I think that's a fair argument. I just like Jarvis' upside on offense more. It's kind of the weird debate of like who would I want now versus what would I want to work towards. I think you ice the team as is today, and yes, Barry Kakaniemi is the better center of the two, but Jarvis absolutely has the higher overall ceiling between the two. Also, Jarvis was drafted as a center, so you'd like to make him make that switch eventually because being too deep at center is one of the best problems to have yeah. at hockey. So, so like wingers way easier to acquire on the market anyway. So it's kind of a dilemma of, like, do you develop or do you play for the cup? And based on Carolina's window, you would argue put him out on the wing and go for the cup, but it really depends how much faith you have in him to be a center. I think Jarvis could step in and be a good center this year, albeit with a rocky start at first, as it always is with players in that situation. I think it was KK good last year to start off on the second line. Not at first, no. Uh, so to, but did he end well? Yeah, absolutely. But in the beginning of last season, KK's line had the best underlying numbers and also the best point total. It's just that KK himself did not have the points. Oh, yeah, because it was – but it was special to common natures, right? Like, yeah. You could have had any of the centers on that team. They had Paul Stasky sending that line at length. And yeah, it was that good. If yeah. his totals weren't there, was that uh, they were succeeding because of him or they were succeeding in spite of him type dynamic? Yeah, so – Again, it was KK playing strong defense, initiating a turnover right. that led to a breakout, 
It led to a lot of goals. Like, right. Especially like against Edmonton, which Svetch had two hat tricks in both games they played against Edmonton last year. So, right. Granted, they lost the one in Edmonton because that was one of the games that Anderson was a sieve. Also, I could forecheck decently against Edmonton's defense, to be fair, too. Yeah, you could do it from where you're at in the chase. Exactly, yeah. You don't even have to get on the ice. No. Um, so, yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, So, KK's numbers went up once Svetch got hurt. Right. So, Andre Svechnikov was holding Jesperi Kakamiami back. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I don't think it was an either-or situation. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. Defensive pairing, you guys get any thoughts? I mean, Rod, that top four he's rolled with. I, I think the only debate is like, hey, if they struggle defensively at all, like how quickly does TDA get dropped from Chatfield on that last pair? I would say pretty quickly. I also too think Orlov could also force himself into that second pairing. I think you yeah. could very much see a um, camera who plays which side and if any of the three. Uh, Orlov left Shays, right? Shays. Where's Orlov again? I think he's, Orlov can play either side. Okay, but... Orlov can play either side. So yeah. I could honestly see a scenario where they load manage with that second pairing and those like three guys all year where D'Angelo stays glued to the third line and then whoever's playing with D'Angelo is one of whoever's not Whoever's the most injured, beat up, bruised, whatever. I, I think Slavin Burns is the motive. Yeah, Slavin Burns. That's a dynamic. Write that in Sharpie, write that with a tattoo gun. That's If something goes wrong there, then we have bigger problems. Yeah, barring injury, that's yeah, that's your that's your first pair. Yeah, Chris Chris and I both have a Slavin jersey and a Burns jersey, and AJ has expressed that he would like a Slavin jersey and a Burns jersey. I tried to get both at the conference finals last year, but the eye was out of both, so... yeah. I think it's safe to say these guys are as good as their build. And yeah. Yep. I actually have two Slavin jerseys. I, I I do have my second one on the way. I, I really like Jacob Slavin. He, he has my name, but with an extra C, and that C is for future captain. Okay. Or Kane's Carolina. I don't know. He has an extra C in his name. I just think it's funny. It's an extra C that makes him good at hockey. That's why I, I can't skate, and he's one of the best defensemen in the league. Yep. Yeah. Power play, I think Svetch, Ajo, Bunting, Natchez, Burns. That's your first unit. Second unit is Nason, KK, Jarvis, Turbo, and D'Angelo. And I can also see them. So if TDA forces himself into the seventh defense spot, see Orlov power uh, yeah. being the power play too. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, AJ, any comments there? Not at all, no. Nothing that would be insightful or new. The big thing that I've really noticed going over like the lines and like the way this team's constructed is very much seems like each guy was picked to like survey purpose. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wonder how much like Rod and Dom work on that together. Because I know like every GM coaching dynamic in the NHL is very different. From so. the interviews they've both done, it's very much it's not just uh Rod and Don. It's also Dundon. Okay. Um, but Dundon is there to – he's not meddling, uh, but basically he is there to – the way he's explained it is, you know, to, like, push for, like, other alternatives that right. might be better. But if they're not, like, you know, it's to make sure that they're covering all their bases. That makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. well, I know some, like, GMs and coaches, it's very much like the coach is an employee of the GM. Right. GM might ask the coach, like – Hey, we're trading for this guy. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Like not in a how will you use him way, but like a please tell me you don't think this guy is unusable type way. Right. Like I listened to an interview with Red Wings head coach Derek Alone a couple of weeks ago, and they he got asked about him and Eiserman's relationship, and it was literally like, I think his quote was, 
he picks, he gives me the roster. I coach the roster. He gives me, he might ask for my like yes or no opinion if he's like working on a trade, but that's about it. Yeah. I, I think it's much more collaborative with Don and Rod. That tracks too, especially for how, how much of a system game Carolina plays and also like everything Rod means in this franchise. Yep. Um, yeah, I think Don gets a lot of flack for uh, his Atlanta tenure that wasn't really his fault. Yeah, his Atlanta tenure was... You You read into anything that happened with Atlanta, and it makes so much sense yeah. why he did what he did. Like, I, This isn't a Thrasher's podcast. We don't have enough airtime to go through the history of the Thrasher's. Was there quite a Thrasher's podcast? There might not have ever been, actually. That... That's so fun. Yeah, I don't think there was ever a Thrashers podcast, but... Well, when the Alpharetta Thrashers uh, come into the league, we can help whoever yeah, sounds up. good to me. To, to be completely fair, where we're all very pro-Atlanta hockey, we yeah, exactly. would love for there to be a hockey team in Atlanta. There just isn't. But so, any team that ends with everyone who owns the team suing each other, yeah. claiming breach of contract, which was a real thing with Atlanta's ownership group, the, nothing that happens within that organization can really fall to that person. No. The buck stops somewhere, and it stopped with the people who all suit each other. So yeah. um, that's all I've got for Hurricanes headlines. The only other thing I will say about the lines is that whatever the lines look like game one, they're not going to be the same. They will never stay the same. Nope. That uh, you could say that for every team in the league. Yeah, but I, like. Even if the players stay 100% healthy, Rod's going to blend the lines at some point. Well, that's every hockey yeah. coach, too. That was, that's just... I know, but and it might just be my recency watching bias that Rod seems to do that a lot. Well, it's literally just like you know, the regular season's all just gearing up for the playoffs, yeah. so it's the coach just going, yeah, this works well, but what if this could work better? Right. So that's really just all that is. Is it like the whole... Uh, I forget if it's Simpson. I think it's Family Guy, where it's like oh, I have this, or I have this, and it could even be this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, one thing with the Canes, and this is more big picture type thing, I know we're kind of all over the place in terms of this. I think in terms of this roster, this is really the last year they have to run it yeah. back, as is, without a bit of retooling. I'm yeah. upset that they got got with the injury bug like worse than other teams for the past couple of years, but that being said, other teams get hit with the injury bug, too. And so I, I think it was the players that got hit because it took away a lot of offense. But I would I, like even going back to the Eastern Conference Finals, I, I would not say a lack of offense was why they lost to Florida. I would. It was Bob. Yeah, but I, I mean, it, no, like they had a lot of high danger chances that. Should have been goal. I mean, there's a reason Bob saved 16 goals above expected because he's absolutely still in his head. Yeah, I, th- I think in that case, like whenever somebody gets goalied, I think it's always a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, fair. Because there also is an element to it, like, okay, well, if you were getting goalied, why didn't you just shut down on defense and just commit to that? Because that you could also make the argument of, like, yeah, they had Bob, we had Slavin, and the death that we did. So, to be fair, it pretty much did. Exactly, yeah. yeah the, you know, overtime games that that was. That was absolutely... I mean, they lost four games by four goals total. Yeah, that was not... not. To, I'm not trying to say you can draw sweeping conclusions from that series to begin with. Just that if we 
we can't keep saying forever, like, oh, this team is actually good enough. We just keep running into hot goalies. Right. No, Every I, playoff has a hot goalie. Yeah. It, unless it's Soros, who just seems to absolutely love, you know, destroying the Kings. He's another conference now. The bad man cannot hurt us right now. So I don't think he demands a trade to an Eastern Conference team. Why not Carolina? Because I, so my concern with Soros, or my concern with Vezmelka, who I would love to see the Canes uniform, is are they a volume goalie? Meaning, do they have to see a certain number of shots to get into a rhythm? Get into right. a rhythm. Because if that's the case, Carolina doesn't do Like, you can, last year, the game against Tampa, you can go an entire period without seeing a shot. That's why Adelkovich fell apart in Detroit. Right. Because he's not a, he's not a volume goalie. And no. The years that he was in uh, Detroit, you can just say the defense sucked. You don't need to beat around the bush. No, I'm not. It's like they give up a lot of shots. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I will say too. I agree with AJ's comment. Like, look, the forward core is young. You have KK Spech and Aho who already locked up. Like, Natchez and Jarvis are RFA's, so they're not going to walk unless they get signed to an offer sheet. That's ridiculous. Right. Really, the issue is like, look, you have uh, Shea, Orlov, Burns, Slavin, and Pesci is the your demon that are like good, solid NHL players. TDA is more of like a power play specialist, and all the other guys are more <coughs> like fringe AHL, NHL guys. Um, but in two years, how many of those guys are under thirty? None of them. Yeah, um, but in two years, we in theory should have Maro and Nikishin. Here, yeah, but let's say one of those guys hits, right? Uh, if I if I had to pick one, it's going to be Nickish. His 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 game is his shot is hits. Just also yeah. KHL versus NCAA too, right? Yeah, because statistically speaking, one of those two is not going to pan out. Like I said, he's going to bust, and we're not going right. to see him. Going to be a third pairing guy, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and based on the variability in. Morrow's game thus far, I would say Morrow's going to be the one that's most likely to be at one point in time viewed top two, top four. It's now probably going to be bottom four, and Nickerson's going to be that top two, top four guy. And Nickerson seems like the exact kind of guy where it's like if he doesn't translate right into the NHL, he's just going right back to the KHL. Almost like think like defensive Alexander Radulov, possibly. But like Nickerson went. Stepped up in competition and got more points. To be fair, he did also go to SKA. I understand. Which the is, Russian yeah. dynamic is. Should I explain that on air real quick? That yeah. yeah. So for those who don't know, the Russian K, the Russian Pro League is the KHL. They technically have a salary cap, but it's Russia, so it how it's kind of shady how that's enforced. From what I understand, they have bonuses in their contracts that just aren't. Uh, capped in any way, so you could literally offer a guy the NHL equivalent of, hey, here's a $5 million contract plus a $10 million bonus if we get into the playoffs, and that $10 million bonus doesn't count against the caps for the cap, so you end up with this situation in the KHL where your equivalents of, say, Toronto or Boston or Montreal, your historic teams with a ton of money that everyone wants to play for, is who everyone goes to, which also allows um, them to hoard talent. On top of that, the Russian hockey like development system very much lets players focus on just their strengths without really ever working on their weaknesses, which is part of why a lot of Russian players come in so like 
skill heavy, but need to like learn other aspects of the game. So that's kind of why I am where I am on um, Nikishin. How is it pronounced, Chris? Nikishin. Nikishin, yeah. N i k i s h i n. So yeah, and that's why a lot of the Russian goalies when they come over here, they're very athletic. They can make the highlight reel saves, but they let in the softies. Or it's like also too why you see a lot of Russian forwards who come in who are just like absolutely stupid good in the offensive zone, but then they clash with their coach because they don't think they need to learn defense because they've been... Or, you know, they're coached by Cordarella. Uh, the thing is, the, that situation of Russian guy comes in, gets put on the bottom six, goes back to Russia has happened in so many organizations that it's not the torts thing. I know, but coach not getting along with player, I'm immediately going to go, oh, torts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike Babcock. Or Bedard, A.R. Babcock, yeah. <laughs> I think the Canes definitely have a good transition for the defense put in place. Yes. I'm just saying, like, hey, with the amount of you, like, they have five notable agents next year. Uh, Shea, Pesci, Tavo, all UFAs. I think D'Angelo is also UFA he next is. year. Um, right, so when you have half your starting defense and three forwards, granted, two are RFAs, and I feel like those two are very, very likely to be re-signed. Uh, but yeah, when half your starting defense are going to be UFAs and they're all approaching 30 or at 30, you kind of have to think like, okay, Slavin is maybe the best defensive player in the game, right? You, and his game isn't hits, it's not hard hitting, it's being smart, playing the puck. Requires a decent bit of skating ability, but you have to think that's a game that translates pretty well with him aging. And he's at such a high level that if he does age, maybe just a second pairing guy. And if you, even like let's say he does age into a third pairing guy, his skill set uh, he could be a bottom four defenseman. He really fucking or really good at it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not worried about Slavin falling off yeah. a cliff the way yeah. you see a lot of defensemen do. But I think the suggestion is like you maybe want to look at like, hey, we have Slavin, Orlov, and Burns under contract. Maybe we don't bring back both Patchy and Shea. Like, I don't think we will. I yeah. think we're going to bring back one. I, I would almost suggest that it's worthwhile, and this is getting way ahead of it, but it's worthwhile to either retool the defense or just make a play for like a top two count. Yeah, so I think next year what we're going to look, what we're going to see on the defensive side is going to be Slavin and Burns again in the top pair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see Orlov and Pesci in the second pair. Sorry, Orlov and Shea. I think Pesci's going to be the one going. And then we'll see uh, Chatfield and TDA on the third pair. Because I think at this point, and I think TDA will sign for, I think he'll sign for like a million next year. Maybe like 1.2. Because I think his time in Philly compared with his time in Carolina, provided he does not fall off a cliff this year, TDA that is, no one's going to sign him. Then you're going to have to have a very sound defensiveman to carry TDA. And if you put him in the, like the Metro, uh, like, like I, I'm sitting here thinking, like, T.D. would might fit in well in third period in, like, Jersey. Because, you know, Laviolette and similar systems. But if you do that... You mean New York, though? No, Jersey. Oh, yeah, I meant the Rangers. Yeah, sorry. But if you do that, then Ajo is going to be, like, just going to undress him continuously. But and then, but it's not going to be the Rangers because he's already worn out his welcome with the Rangers. So... Did he punch Georgia versus Georgia? Yeah. Well, he's not there anymore. Yeah, but everyone else in that room disliked him too. Yeah. Like Panarin was openly like joking about him being gone when he was like not there anymore. Yeah, it's it's the coach and the system would fit his style. The team would not. So it, Rangers aren't going to sign him. Devils probably won't sign him. 
Um, just because then you're guaranteed to give up like three or four goals to Aho every year. Um, and they're going to be stupid, silly goals. Um, yeah, maybe Arizona again. But again, you know, he's played there before. And the only reason I could see Arizona signing is if they needed to get to the cap floor. Columbus doesn't seem to mind controversy, so... Yeah, we'll see after, you know, plus Babcock. Yeah, maybe. Maybe ownership's <laughs> more hands-on now. Yeah. I, I think TD is going to come back to Carolina. I think they'll probably be for less. Maybe the same. Uh, although with the cap going up, I could see him pushing for more. But yeah, I, I don't see TDA signing anywhere else. He is not skilled enough for the headache anywhere else. Did you ever work at like a restaurant or a retail place where there was like someone who was like borderline unemployable, but they kept their job there just because like the ownership for whatever reason, like management had like a soft spot for them and you just constantly had to like deal with them, like look at them and be like, how are you just like... I, I have, yeah. but that's always been like nepotism. That, that's what like me with TDA with the Canes where it's just like, do you just... You just keep coming back because they have a way to like keep you like they, right. Like we make your numbers look good, right? Yeah. yeah, and then you go to Philly, and then your coach calls you out publicly about you know. Well, maybe Carolina's system had something to do with his numbers looking that good. Yeah, so. maybe, maybe. We better be careful. We're at NYR fan bunch of numbers on Twitter. Who's totally not Tony D'Angelo's burner is gonna come for us. You guys want to get more of the league news now? Yeah, I'm yeah. down. The, the Vasilevsky injury. Yeah, that. Uh, so Andre Vasilevsky is out eight to ten weeks. Uh, that was announced a couple of days ago. Uh, what was the cause for that, Did y'all? Uh, he is having. He's got a herniated disc in the lumbar region of his back. Oh yikes! Yeah, so that it's looking like an eight to ten recovery week, and I can see two scenarios with that. One is where it's akin to kind of that situation I mentioned earlier with McAvoy and Marchand in Boston last year coming in, and half as much time, whether eight to ten weeks is a just like worst case scenario type thing, and he's back in four. On the flip side, I could see that being real, him coming back and having to like get up to game shape, get used to like his newly like surgically altered back as he gets used to like playing hockey again. So, so I, I think it's going to hurt his butterfly coming back. And depending on which side the surgery is on, uh, that side might be a little slower. Uh, so if it's his glove side, because trying to go glove side on Vasilevsky is not a good way to make a living in the NHL. Right. Um, but if it's on his glove side and it slows his glove down a little bit, I could see him struggling when he gets back. Yeah, absolutely. And then some other injury news too. Um, Alex Kalorn of the Anaheim Ducks suffered a fractured finger last Wednesday um, versus San Jose and is expected to be out four to six weeks. That's one where I think it's more a scenario that he just – comes back early and is completely unaffected. Hockey players play with broken fingers all the time to begin with. Yeah. Um, this feels like we literally just signed you. Don't do anything ridiculous now. I could see him coming back in that four to six weeks time frame and just being back to normal, especially you can still train and skate with a fractured finger yeah. or like he might just tape it and come back even sooner. Yeah, all, but it's not like Anaheim fighting for a playoff spot. That too, yeah. exactly. And why do you sign a guy like Kalorn when you have a young building team to provide leadership? Yep, right. And if he can be in the locker room for a month but not playing, I don't think Ducks management has an issue with that. Exactly, yeah. especially if he's still there practicing, showing like Zegris and Carlson good habits and all that. So, <laughs> uh, moving past player injuries, I know we wanted to get into the start of the uh, PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, for the first time really in modern history, we are not even modern hockey history, I think, 
we're going to have a fully professional women's North American league. Just one. It is the best of the best in North America. Uh, previously, you had the PWHPA, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, doing barnstorming tours at the same time as the Professional Hockey Federation, which was a women's 16 league. Kind of been some hostilities between the team or between the two organizations for years until the PWHPA essentially bought out the PHF over the summer to start a new league from the scratch. That process has been controversial, so to say. A lot of jobs have went away. If you're curious on that, uh, just Google that, read up on that. But for the first time in hockey history, there's going to be a fully professional women's league in North America. Uh, six teams to start. You have Boston, New York, uh, Minneapolis, Ottawa, Montreal, and Toronto. And if you noticed, I didn't say team names because we do not have team names yet. We just have rosters. They basically have like an interdispersal player draft where players from both the PWHPA and the PHF were all just pooled together and teams could just draft from there. So going into the first season of this new league, very excited to see how it plays out. Very excited to see a new original six and really hoping it comes to Carolina sooner rather than later. More hockey is good hockey, objectively speaking. Yes. And what I'm going to be interested to see, too, is how the NHL kind of supports this. Because, you know, for years, Gary Bettman had said, we don't want to get the NHL involved when you have two organizations who are effectively feuding with each other at the time. He doesn't have that excuse anymore. So will the NHL hold up their end of the bargain, provide that support? And what will that support look like? Will it be more platforming? Will it be more financial support? But yeah, I'm just excited to see how that goes. And putting out a public plea to please put a team in Charlotte because Charlotte needs a winning sports team. And it also makes too much sense to put a women's hockey team in the queen city of all places. But you guys have anything on the PWHO? Um, I don't know. I mean, you covered, I think there is some involvement uh, with the NHL. Um, yeah. Burke um, does a director of the players union. The only thing that concerns me is that all six of the teams are owned by the same group. Right, yeah. So that's plus, that's, has its pluses and minuses. You know, you've got less likelihood of one of the six teams folding. Uh, what if the whole league folds? Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. Yeah, that is the problem. For context, that is how the NHL basically was when it first started. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's how any sports league starts out. But obviously starting a new professional sports league in 2023 is much different than 1923. The, I mean, the WNBA has started making some strides. But they started making strides because ESPN started giving them more coverage. ESPN kind of already ignores hockey. So it's going to have to be very much, you know, uh, TSN kind of driving... One thing that I have a little bit of hope for with that is so this has been an aspect of his tenure at the NHL, which some people have people have differing feelings on it, but one way how Gary Bettman has ran the NHL consistently is everything is a bargaining token for him. He goes and negotiates hard for everything. I can see it being a scenario where he's basically forced a scenario where the TV companies just feel like they have to do the bare minimum. Maybe this new league is much more open to working with the media, working with that. so I can see that. And, like, one of my biggest gripes about Bettman, his ability to make it extremely difficult to watch hockey on TV. Which, you think a new league, they would be going out of their way to make it easy. I remember the PHF was literally streaming their games on Twitch. The PA, like, yeah. you, if you wanted to be a PHF fan, you had no excuse. 
I can yeah, I can literally watch every AHL game for like a hundred bucks a year. I mean, they're all streamed by the same, by the, the the team. So, like, if you watch the Chicago Wolves broadcast, um, yeah, it's the Chicago Wolves team, right. Charlotte Checkers. It's like you know, watching it from Bojangles Coliseum. Is the quality great? No, but it's the simple fact that I can pay a hundred dollars a year. I don't have to worry about blackouts. I can watch every single game with one subscription. Right. So I think that honestly could be the big make or break thing for this new league is accessibility. Like yes. how easy do they make it to be? Also, too, I could see a scenario where some of these teams struggle to fill the gate because they, like, if the Toronto team decides they want to play in the Rogers Center where the Leafs play, they're going to be the fourth ticket item there behind the Leafs, the Raptors, concerts. Right. And so, like, we don't want scenarios where you have a new team playing at like. 2 p.m. on a Sunday all the time. Well, not just that, but like, if you put them in the Rogers Center, is there going to be enough interest, especially early on, to create a environment inside Rogers Center that's going to be good for the league? Also, just to cover all the expenses too. Right. Like, so like, also uh, Rogers Center is already the baseball stadium there. The um, Scotia Bank Arena. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So that's um, my fault. Yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, I think it needs to be. It, Needs to be in some smaller arenas. I would say bigger than what Arizona plays in. Yeah, that's not really a shot at Arizona. Um, that's just yeah. minor league size rank somewhere. That's right. Yeah. Like 10 grand yeah. Like I, like I think Bojangles Coliseum here in Charlotte seats like eight thousand. I was like six to eight. I want to say. Yeah. So. so somewhere in that that uh, uh, like uh, like pick the nearest AHL arena and play there. Um. Yeah, I think the thing too is like you talk about like the AHL or the CHL, like these are more like defensive leagues where I'm seeing like the top tier of hockey talent. Like if we're seeing the top tier of women hockey talent on ice and it's at a discount to NHL games, which in Toronto, for example, it most certainly yeah. will be. Right. Yeah, like if you're like, that, that definitely fills a niche. Yeah, if you're like you said, that talent aspect will be there. Like I am huge I'm a huge Boston sports hater. Boston might be my PWHL team just by virtue of having Hillary Knight and Lauren Gable on the same line together. Like the amount of action. okay, I was because I was like I'm sitting here thinking through my teams and that might sell me on the, the Boston ladies team. Yeah, that it also might also come down to Hillary Knight. Is, yeah, yeah, okay, fair. Hillary Knight is sick. Yes. Hillary Knight is too good at hockey. Yes, regardless of you know gender, whatever. Yeah, Hillary Knight is awesome. Yeah. I don't know who Hillary Knight is, sorry. Uh, Very un-American of you. Yeah, so just YouTube some some Hillary Knight uh, uh, highlights. Seriously, if you've never watched a women's hockey game, go watch it. They're so entertaining. One thing about them that's interesting is so checking's banned in most women's hockey leagues, and I'm not going to comment on that because I know everyone. You're going to have your own feelings on that, but one positive benefit of having kind of that weird no-checking rule is that it leads to way more open ice stuff. Like yes. Without that fear of getting rocked at center ice, way more passing, way more deking, way faster. So, yeah. such an entertaining game. Go watch it. It's, it's this is going to sound like a, 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 kind of like a shot, and it's really not. It's just, from an entertainment like value, it's like, you know, going to see like the old style NBA where, you know, there's like the hard fouls and everything. And then going to watch the Holland Gold Potters with their like freewheeling, like more entertainment style. And it's not meant for entertainment. It's just, that's the way the game is set up. And yeah, it's, 
it's if you like three on three hockey, I think you would like a lot of women's hockey just because of the amount of open space everyone has to work with. Yeah, a lot of stuff that is highlight reel material in the NHL is routine plays yeah. in a lot of women's leagues. Right, and I, and I think it is that it, part of that is it has the ability to, I think, do better in comparison to the WNBA because a lot of the WNBA plays. Yeah, they're 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 the same as the NBA. Exactly, and it's also like lower scoring. Right. Whereas NWHL has the potential to be watching Hillary Knight pulling the Michigan every other game right. while running up seven five. Or, like, or yeah, or between, uh, the, between the leg deke, the you know exactly yeah. in front of the goalie's face to go on the left side. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. But how do you think the goaltending talent feels about that? Oh, they they probably hate it. They probably hate it, but they can get over it. Yeah. To be fair, they're professional like, hockey players. Yeah, if you're a professional hockey player and you're letting five goals and you're like, "Hey, I had a pretty good game," I'd be happy about that. Yeah, I mean, there there are also very clearly defined reasons as to why I'm not a professional athlete. One of which being same here. that I, I would be very happy if mediocre performances were rewarded. Yeah, yeah. But so it, it's comparison. So if yeah. You're, yeah, not to say like in a higher scoring league, yeah. five goals would be. If you're let, yeah, if you're letting in five goals, but you're saving twenty goals above expected, you stood on your head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. anything else on the PWHL? Uh, I, this is watch just watch it and support it. This is just you know me being like a, kind of a data nerd. I really hope Money Puck and Stathead pull in the PWHL stats. That would be incredible. That would be a good way to grow that game, but. Yeah, again, please watch the PWHL because more hockey is good for hockey. Yep. So. So, and yeah, and go check out some highlights of women's hockey on YouTube. Yep, absolutely. Especially Hillary Knight. I will. Don't worry. Man, do we have any other hockey news we want to go over? Go Canes. Go Canes. Very excited to be starting this journey with all of you. All six of you, seven of you. Four of you. We may even have eight right now. And much like the Hurricanes are in preseason and getting their game in order, we are in preseason and getting this in order. So might be a little smoother moving forward. Yeah. We're going to, you know, we'll might have some intro, rough games. We'll yeah. have intro music. We'll have outro music eventually. Yeah. We're, we're, this podcast is acapella at the moment. Yeah. We'll get there. We will get there. Appreciate your patience, dear five listeners. Oh, I think we dropped it four that time. Okay. That's unfortunate. All right. Uh, this would be the catchy sign-off. So. Yep. Yeah.